Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Big Sills! Afternoon, all. Big show lined up today. Brian Baldinger from the NFL Network will join us in hour number two at 4.30. We will talk to him live from Tampa. He's at the rookie camps, and we'll talk to our friend. Get his thoughts on the Eagle draft. Get his thoughts pretty much on the Eagle offseason. And then some NFL news, obviously. Brian Baldinger will join us again at 4.30 Eastern time. I want to throw this out to you guys. And, you know, I've I've been watching the NBA playoffs. And I want to say this because a lot of people sometimes become prisoners of the moment. Last night, you watch Steph Curry and how great he was. And you watch LeBron, you watch Anthony Davis, and you watch athletes, no matter who it is and whatever sport it is. Man, Patrick Mahomes is the greatest. Man, LeBron's the greatest athlete. Man, then you go back and you start talking about Jordan or Bill Russell or Tom Brady. Go back and start talking about Montana. We are such prisoners of the moment today. Steph Curry's a great ball player. He's he, he he's great. But when you talk about guys who take games over, you think that's Larry Bird? You think that's like Jerry West? You think that's Jordan? He was great last night. I was just talking to Tone. I think what happens is as we get older and as we put more time on an athlete's career, like, let me ask you this. Who would you think personally right now had a better Eagle career? Randall Cunningham? Or Donovan McNabb? Who had a better Eagle career? I I think it's too early to talk about Jalen Hurts in his career. But who do you think had a better career? Because time now, you could sit here and have a legitimate debate. You can't have a legitimate debate on how great you think Steph Curry is. I think time 
is the thing that really gives us more of an opportunity and objective view on how we look at athletes. I mean, look, it's easy to be prisoners of the moment. It's just easy. Who do you think had a better career? And when you look back on it, who was the better Eagle quarterback for you? Randall or McNabb? Me? If I had to win a ball game, I'm picking Randall Cunningham. He could do more. Randall Cunningham was a better ball player. And see, I think some of this is generational. Now, I actually played against Randall, so maybe I'm a little bit more biased. Randall Cunningham was a special... If Randall Cunningham played today, he'd be Patrick Mahomes. He'd be that kind of guy, Patrick Mahomes. Randall sucked in the playoffs. Randall never had the talent around him. That McNabb had around him, especially in the O-lines. That's not what the Eagle organization was. It was one of the worst of all time. Randall did more with less. So you put... My point is you have to put everything in perspective. That's why we're starting it out here. You know, I, I, I'm hearing people go, Steph Curry's the greatest. Man, he's the greatest shooter of all time. I'm like, man, I'll tell you what, really? Better than Larry Bird. And I'm a Magic Johnson guy. Larry Bird was the best shooter I've ever seen, the best clutch shooter I've ever seen in my life. Best clutch shooter, passer, everything. He did everything. Bird was spectacular. You think Curry's the same passer that Bird was? Man, I'll give I'll give you this on Steph. He's probably a better perimeter shooter, but a better ball player? Absolutely not. Now, again, it's not fair because Steph's not done yet. Steph's not done. So there's a little more to be written here with his with his legacy. Again, just prisoners of the moment. I think that's just the way the media is. Again, every decade has that. Oh, Jordan's the greatest. Hey, you forget about guys like Jerry West, and you forget Dr. J, and you forget about guys like that, or you move it up a little bit, Barkley and Jordan and Clyde Drexler and those dudes. You forget it. it it's so subjective. Watching LeBron last night, I mean – now, now, here's a narrative on LeBron. Well, he's too old. Well, Jesus, he's 40. I mean, what do you want? LeBron James and Tom Brady are the greatest longevity players I've ever seen in their respective sports. Bonds you would throw in baseball. I mean, today's athlete, the longevity that these guys have, like, like LeBron James and Tom Brady, it's, it's remarkable. It's remarkable on how well they play. All right, so it looks like the schedule is going to be coming out on Thursday as it was supposed to. And from what I'm hearing, Eagles and Jets, week two. Okay? Or maybe week one. Could be Sunday night. Eagles and Jets. Chiefs and Jets are being talked about. See, I think that Thursday night game is coming down between Jets and Eagles. And then I think the Eagles are probably going to play on Sunday night. Would they put Dallas in the two-hole there? Would they put Dallas Sunday night football to open the season? Would they? 
Chiefs week two. Eagles and Chiefs week two. Eagles and Jets. Now that's going to be Jets and Chiefs. I think it's going to be Jets and Chiefs to open up Thursday night football. How about Eagles and Cowboys to open the season? Cowboys too early? Come on, man. I want to get out of the gate. What a bit. Hey, both quarterbacks healthy. You see what I'm trying to fight? I don't want to see Cooper Rush stuff. I don't want to see Cooper Rush. You know, I saw that too, Green Blood. Kelsey's mom said, Chiefs for the Eagles in week two. How about this? Do you know? Wait, wait till we get to the schedule and what people are saying about the Eagles schedule this year. We're going to get to the topics. By the way, again, just to remind you, Brian Baldinger, hour number two at 4.30 Eastern time. Got a ton of stuff here too. Strength to schedule. How they're going to put all of these chess pieces in place here. Who has the strongest schedule? Also, an early, early look at some of the talent. All 32 guys. That'll be in next year's draft. And Big Sills 2023 predictions. For the entire NFL. We're going to do that. All right. So let's... Let's let's get on to the topics here. First topic. Would you bring Nick Foles in? 21 and 11 as a starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. And of course Super Bowl MVP. Would you bring him in? Nick Foles. Have him as, get rid of Ian Book. Put your guy, the guy you drafted, have him as an inactive. Nick Foles is your backup. I would take Nick Foles over Mariota. Wouldn't you? As my backup quarterback, who would you rather, who would you feel more comfortable? Let me ask you this. Who would you feel more comfortable if a disaster happened? Marcus Mariota or Nick Foles is your quarterback in Philly, who's 21 and 11 and a Super Bowl MVP. There's something magical about the city of brotherly love with this guy. He plays great football in Philly. He plays great football. Mariota over Foles? Really? Foles had his shine? Okay. Foles cannon. And did win it all. Don't you think a guy like Nick Foles could be somebody that Jalen Hurts could lean on? When he comes over to the sidelines, sitting there talking, having someone like that, like Alex Smith, was to Patrick Mahomes early in his career? You know, Jalen's still early in this process. You're telling me you'd rather have a failed quarterback as the backup quarterback versus the guy who captured the ultimate prize. There's no threat of him taking that job. There's no threat of guys whispering in the corner. He's beloved in the locker room. Two of the most beloved guys in the history of Philadelphia Eagle football, Jalen Hurts, 
and Nick Foles in the quarterback room. You think that's a bad idea? I think, to me, the more knowledge you have. So wait a minute. Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni, Nick Foles, and Jalen Hurts in your quarterback room. You don't think that's a good a good look and bringing more experience to an offense that lost a coordinator. I do. Would you want to see that? You think the Eagles are thinking of it? Ian Book. Come on, man. <laughs> Ian Book sucked at Notre Dame. <laughs> I mean, the kid they drafted from Stanford kind of liked Foles a little bit. Can you imagine Nick Foles and Jalen Hurts in that quarterback room for that young quarterback, too? Do it. And then get this. Who knows? Maybe a team midseason comes to you like they did for Joe Flacco. Hey, we need a quarterback. How much in the, what would you give up for Foles? I'll give you a third rounder for him. Fourth rounder for him. Okay. Desperation. How many times do we see desperation happen midway through the NFL season when a quarterback goes down? I don't think you can have too many of them, guys. I think the more people you have in your quarterback room, the more assets you have potentially to be able to make trades for or with. S. Blunt goes, calm down, Sills. We're not interested. So you're trying to tell me you don't think Howie goes over every single blade of grass in his front lawn when it comes to the construction of this team. You're out of your mind if he hasn't thought this or the organization or the owner or anyone else has thought this. You're out of your mind. That's not a guy who leaves an I undotted or a T uncrossed. He doesn't do that. You know they've debated it. Whether it's a long debate, maybe they're waiting to get closer to camp. Okay, maybe they're waiting to get closer to camp. Can you imagine, get this, you think the 49ers, I know 49er guys are in here. You think the 49ers would have loved to have had Nick Foles as a backup quarterback when Purdy went down? I'll tell you what, I'd feel a lot better than him than Josh Johnson or Christian McCaffrey finishing the game for me. Okay? You, you know, you, the more you have experience in that room, it's the best chance you have of avoiding disaster. Marcus Mariota, I don't have a problem with him, but I think it's an upgrade with Foles. Again, I'm not asking Nick to come in here and compete for a job to try to beat Jalen. That's not what I'm asking him to do. He, he's, he's, my, he's my lifeboat if something goes sideways. I want a lifeboat. Cooper Rush was a lifeboat last year for the Cowboys. Saved their season. It saved their season. It did, right? Saved it. He went on to win a, what was he, 4-1? and one? When he ran into Philly? You got to look. Hey, the Eagles the last two years have been awful lucky. 
awful lucky when it comes to the health of the football team. Okay, hey, S. Blunt. See, S. Blunt, he has no caring right now. Jalen Hurts goes down, your season's over. Your season's over. Think about that. It's the only position and it's the only issue that could derail the Eagles is if Hurts goes down. If Hurts goes down, your season's over. Over. You have no one in that locker room that can win games. Over. But you'd rather run into a building with Marcus Mariota and Ian Book versus a guy who ran through the tape for you. Okay. You got it. Hey, M. Blunt, you better hope that guy plays and is healthy, unlike he's been the last two years. He's missed games. He's going to miss more games. You're not under the guise here that Jalen Hurts is going to play all 17 games this year, are you? He's not. He's never. He's never played a full season because he's been injured. Off topic, Sills. Do you know that in 43, the Eagles and Steelers? Yes, I do. They were called the Steagles? I do know. That was because of the war. Absolutely. One of the great histories, and you should see some of the football cards from back in that time. Absolutely. We'll see. All right. Let's move on to this topic here. We kind of broached this yesterday a little bit. Is it my impression or my observation? Why is Howie doing more for Nick Sirianni than he did for Doug Peterson? Why? What is Howie learned? Howie was not this good of a general manager with Doug. He was not. He was not this good a general manager with Doug. A lot of them were hired assassins as well. But why is Howie doing more for Nick? Putting more talent on the team for Nick than he did for Doug Peterson. Why? Is because there was a power struggle between the two still? How he didn't have the equity that he has now as a general manager? Was it that those two were on even ground when it came to the owner? Why is Howie doing a better job now for Nick? Is it because it's, it's his show and it wasn't his complete show? When they won the Super Bowl in 17, what's what's changed? Doug won the Super Bowl. Team fell apart. The team, from the time the Eagles won the Super Bowl, it began to unravel immediately. It was unraveling. The relationship between Doug and Howie unraveled. The relationship between Wentz, Howie, Doug was unraveling. What's, what happened? 
Why was Howie not the same GM? What was there pushback from Doug? Howie is a completely different general manager today than he was when Doug was here. What's the difference? What's the difference with Roseman now versus Roseman with Doug Peterson? This is an observation. You know, I went back and I looked and I'm like, man, that team just kind of fell apart. Guys win a Super Bowl and it just continued. And it was like a downhill snowball just rolling. It was just rolling. And it was going nowhere to ending up being a four-win season. That's kind of unbelievable from where that four-win season and where you are now. But what, what was the number one factor and why that thing fell apart? And why is Howie better today? Than he was with Doug. He's clearly giving Nick Sirianni every opportunity to succeed. He's totally giving him every opportunity. What's what's the what's the change? What has been the change in Roseman? They are more aggressive now. That's for sure. Dual Threat says. Welcome to Howie's house. Omar says. I heard Doug wanted all the power. Well, he was never going to get that because Doug was never going to get all the power because the blueprint had been put in place by the owner. Joe Banner and Andy Reid were partners. Maybe Doug wanted the relationship that Andy and Joe had, and it was never going to be. And how he didn't want the relationship, it just seems it's completely changed. You think that, do you think Howie, for Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles, to choose him, had to make compromises to the owner and that he had to listen more? Do you think he had to sell Jeffrey Lurie on why to keep him over Doug? And Doug didn't want, remember there was a meeting at the end of that year. They were having meetings and the owner and Doug were talking. By the way, I think the owner still to this day reveres and loves Doug Peterson. I, I He just chose him. Why? Do you think Howie really had to make the pitch? Firing a Super Bowl co- uh, coach. That's not the easiest thing on the planet, especially when you're talking about some of the greatest success in the history of the franchise. Roseman learned to draft best player not needs, and listen to his coaches. Also, Doug could not keep his team healthy. Nick keeps his team healthy. Yeah, but don't you think, Kyle, that's more of an organizational thing? Arthur says Howie has always been good, if not... Howie has always been good, if not the best GM. I think after Wentz's implosion, they decided with Hurts pick and Rager debacle to go with better schools, no more North Dakota nonsense. Could be. That's getting smarter and learning from your mistakes. They have chip all the power. Then Doug came. 
Doug won the Super Bowl and then wanted more power. Jeff and Howie chose another direction. What direction was that? Because it's the right direction. I'm not saying it's not the right direction. Howie wants a statue out front, Dirty D. He keeps it up. He'll have a Jeff. He'll have he'll have a Theo Epstein trophy out front of Lincoln Financial. Like Theo Epstein is going to have one in Boston and Chicago. John says, do you think Howie is going after Bubba Baker? No, too expensive. He's not going to pay that kind of money for a safety. He would have given Gardner Johnson the money. By the way, we will talk with um, Brian Baldinger on that. Um, It's not a soap opera, Steve. It's a question. He's killing it. Roseman's killing it. It's not a soap opera. By the way, I'm not creating drama here. I'm asking a question. Why is he better today? How, and he wasn't this guy with Doug. It's a question about the evolution. By the way, it's a conversation about your evolution of your general manager into making decisions that he's landed on every pod and it's been right. It's not drama, dude. It's actually a great story on where your GM is and where your franchise is. It's not a drama, dog. It's what he's gone through. Okay? It's what he's gone through. It's totally not drama. Sills, it's funny. You ask one thought-provoking question, and the chat gets up in arms. Yeah, because you know why? They don't want to have to think about why Roseman is where he is. They just want to crown him the greatest general manager of all time. And he's not. He's evolved into doing an amazing job. Let me tell you this. Jalen Hurts gets hurt, and your season goes to 7-10. and 10. You'll be shitting all over this guy. Mark my words. By January, you'll be shitting on that guy because that's how fans are. And don't tell me anything different. You're quick to judge, quick to praise. Whenever time you kind of come up with something that has to make you think about where this guy's come from, Howie Roseman was not revered like this. The decision-making that he's making with free agents, I've never seen. You know, the only other person, there's two of them, that I've ever seen that land on free agents like this, they were George Allen and Al Davis. I've never seen an organization land on free agents that come into your organization and kill it. Never seen it. Never seen it. Al would bring in Matuzak, Alzado, Ted Hendricks. They would bring in all these players, Jim Plunkett, and they would go on and win Super Bowls with them. That's kind of what you're doing here. It's kind of like George Allen, Al Davis-ish. You're bringing these hired guns in, especially on the defensive side. How did this guy get like this? He, How about this? Do you guys think he was as good a GM as he is now with Doug? Answer the question. No one will. You th- Do you think Howie Roseman's a better GM to, when, when Doug was here? When you won the damn thing. 
When you won the Super Bowl, do you think your GM is as good as he is now after losing a Super Bowl? How crazy is that? So you're telling me after you lost the Super Bowl, you think your GM is better today with Sirianni than he was when he won the Super Bowl with Doug. How? How did he? What's changed? Dirty D goes, I think he's better. What do you mean you think he's better? Have you not been watching these moves? And by the way, once again, I'll tell you the most impressive. Let's add to this conversation. What's the most impressive thing Howie Roseman has done this offseason? What's the most impressive thing he's done? I'm going to ask Brian Baldinger this at 430. What do you think is the most impressive thing he's done this offseason? Tone's got it. CJ's got it. He did something, folks, that no GM has done. You guys got it. The structuring of that contract is is changing of the game. I, I told you guys, and here, you know, Big Sills doesn't say this much on the show. I was wrong. I have never, ever seen a team pay a quarterback and not have to dismantle their team. Except for this. The constructing of that contract is unbelievable. He's changed the game. He's made every... How did he get here, though? Again, that's the question. He wasn't like... Don't you think if he was this smart, when they won the Super Bowl, the Eagles would be in a better position today? If he was this smart, what's changed? You're trying to tell me, wait a minute, the constructing of the Wentz contract, why didn't he do it then? What, why, what? Remember something, when they traded Carson Wentz to Indianapolis, they had a $33 million dead cap hit on their cap, remember? They had a $33 million cap hit, biggest in NFL history at the time. Biggest in NFL history. And now all of a sudden, he's the he's the wizard at Novacare? How? You can't answer it. Something's changed with the guy. The Ravens had a chance to copy the deal, and they still couldn't manage the cap hits like the Eagles did. Unbelievable, too. Unbelievable. If I'm an owner of a football team and my general manager doesn't construct these contracts like the Eagles did with Hertz, say I'm the Spanos family and I'm dealing with Herbert or the Brown family dealing with Joe Burrow and you don't have a deal like Hertz, I'm firing my GM. I'm firing him because that contract is going to keep you relevant. The Jalen Hurts contract that Howie Roseman constructed keeps you relevant for the next decade. It's remarkable. Howie got hometown talent like Reddick and Swift. He simplified. If not overthink, Sirianni pushes the connection theme. Howie's buying in now. You know what, though, Arthur? I'm going to give you what I think the difference between 
Howie's relationship with Doug and Howie's relationship with Sirianni. In my opinion, I think Nick feels he works for Howie, whereas Doug had an adversarial relationship and thought they were both on even, even ground. Does that make sense? I think Nick feels he works for him and not with him. You see, you don't have that dynamic in most places. Mike Tomlin doesn't work for the general manager in Pittsburgh. He doesn't work for the GM in Pittsburgh, okay? He doesn't. Most people, John Schneider, Pete Carroll doesn't work for John Schneider. I think what they have done in Philadelphia, how this is how we ship. How we probably, would we agree? How he probably has more control than any general manager outside of Jerry Jones. Is that fair? He's the most powerful general manager in all the NFL. Would that be a fair comment? Again, Belichick. Belichick right now, get this, he's being questioned on personnel moves and coaching moves. And here's the guy that's won six Super Bowls. He's being questioned by Bob Kraft. Give me another guy. Andy Reid, he leans on Veach in Kansas City. I I, I think Veach probably works for Andy Reid. Okay? I I think that probably that dynamic in Kansas City is a little different. Andy probably has complete power. Because remember, he got rid of John Dorsey. John Dorsey has a horrible bedside manner. Great evaluator of talent. He's the guy that found Mahomes. Remember, John Dorsey's the guy that found Travis Kelsey. He's the guy that brought those guys in. Sirianni knows how to play to Howie's better nature. But Frank Wright definitely gave him the inside scoop in maneuvering in Philly. That was so said on our program the first time that we were talking with Frank. That's exactly right. Frank prepped him. Hey, you you want to be the head coach of Philadelphia for a long time? Don't do what Doug did. Don't fight him. Join him. And that's why the Eagle organization likes Frank Reich. And that's why the owner chose Howie Roseman. Howie, I personally think Howie went to him and said, listen, this is how we're going to do this. We're going to hire coaches. Because at the end of the day, Jeff, when you hire a coach, I would say this to you. The owner has to say in the, who the coach is. How he brings the candidates in. And I think that's how that dynamic works. And I think Jeffrey Lurie takes tremendous pride in the fact that he's hired successful coaches. Even Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly has a winning record in Philly. He has a winning record in Philly as a head football coach, and he sucked. Seals, do you know if Hertz's contract is similar in structure to Mahomes's? It is. I told you it was going to be exactly constructed the same way, front-ended. Hey, here's the thing, too. Relative, Jalen Hurts' contract is probably going to be outdated in three years. Could be two years. Look at Mahomes' deal. They're waiting to see what Herbert and Burrow do when it comes to signing their contracts, and I think Kansas City is going to restructure the contract and give them more money. He deserves it. He's underpaid right now, believe it or not. Yo, Sills. Nice, bro. 
I agree with all you said here. I think he went to the owner. I think the owner takes tremendous pride in hiring these guys. You know, Jeffrey Lurie, since he's owned the football team, hasn't had a coach with a losing record. That's incredible. And I think the owner takes great pride in that. And I think the owner leans on his guy, Howie Roseman, and at the time, Joe Banner, to navigate through. Doesn't matter if Nick Sirianni's the coach or Doug Peterson's the coach. There's a culture that those two men have set. Howie Roseman and the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles are the culture of the Eagles, not the coach. This is not Nick's culture. This is not Doug Peterson's culture. This is not Andy Reid's culture. This is the owner and the GM's culture. How many places can you say that in the NFL? Think of it. Pittsburgh, you think that's Mike Tomlin's culture? I do. Seattle, you think that's Pete Carroll's culture? I do. You know in New England it is. You know in Kansas City it's Andy Reid's. I'm just saying to you, that owner and general manager, the reason why Doug was never going to win was because they are the culture. They're the people that set the tone. They're the stars, they're the straws that stirred the drink in Philly. Those two guys. Would we agree that Howie Roseman's a better general manager than Joe Banner was? Would we agree? Would we agree he's a better GM? Andy Reid learned every single thing that he's applying in Kansas City. Not in Kansas City. Kansas City hadn't done shit for almost 50 years. They hadn't won Super Bowls. Shit, the last time they got to a conference championship game, Joe Montana was the quarterback. Andy brought all the stuff that he had learned in Philadelphia to Kansas City. And just so happens they drafted a transcendent player in Mahomes. Dude, this has been a absolute almost reinventing of oneself. I never thought Roseman was this good. I never did. I'm going to show you how hard it is what he's doing. If Jerry Jones was such a great general manager, and he keeps telling you he's a great general manager because he's got three Super Bowls, why hasn't he been able to duplicate what they did early in his ownership? Why? Because he's not the culture. He's not the culture. He's never created a culture in Dallas. Dallas doesn't have a winning culture. They had it with Jimmy. They had Jimmy was the culture. They've never been able to replace Jimmy Johnson's culture. Because you know why? Jerry Jones doesn't trust anyone to help him build it like Lori trusts in Howie Roseman. That's why. Jeffrey Lori is a smarter owner than Jerry Jones football-wise. Who would have thought that? Jerry's brilliant when it comes to business. Jerry's brilliant 
when it comes to marketing as a football guy, hey, he can identify players, then he overpays them, and then he gets in the way of the coaches. Then he gets in the way of the coaches. Is there a better team to cover right now in the NFL? So much content to go through. Yeah, because what they're doing, that's tone. Because what they're doing is they're keeping this train going, no matter if it's Andy Reid, no matter if it's Doug Peterson or Nick Sirianni. The coaches really don't matter in Philadelphia. You got maybe a better coach in Nick Sirianni than in Doug Peterson. I'm not talking football sense. I'm talking about organizationally with structure. Everyone knows their role. I've given you guys – Tone, you know what my favorite team is in sports history? My favorite team in sports history is that last Bulls title team. And I'll tell you why. Everyone on that organization and in that organization knew their role. Jordan was a scorer. Pippen did all the LeBron work. The centers wore a revolving door, Cartwright, Longley, all them dudes. Jerry Krause had a role in finding guys like Pippen, making deals for Rodman, moving Horace Grant to Orlando. Reinsdorf stood out of the way. Let those guys all do it. There was an organ. Hey, those guys bickered. You know what broke the Bulls apart was ego. Every guy was talented. Phil Jackson. I mean, think of this. Jordan's favorite coach of all time is who? It's not Phil Jackson. Who is it? Do you guys know? Do you guys know? Do you guys know who uh, Michael Jordan's favorite coach is? Sirianni is an education major teacher. And then he knows the ropes. Tone's right. Doug Collins. They replaced Doug Collins with Phil Jackson. A minor league basketball coach. Was he coaching in the CBA when they hired him? Jordan had to be sold. You imagine how that was? Hey, uh, this guy's going to be the best thing in the world for us to win a championship. Jordan had to believe it. Can you imagine? Okay. Yeah, get this. Doug Collins used to let Jordan cook. Yeah, you know what he did? They won scoring titles, but no NBA titles. Phil said, which one do you want to win? NBA titles or scoring titles? You know, when Phil Jackson got there after that, Jordan never won another scoring title. They won NBA titles. Because there was a construction of the organization. The Eagles, this owner that you have, I mean, look, here, that's a great list to put together. The best owners in the NFL, Bob Kraft, Jeffrey Lurie. I'm talking football-wise. Bob Kraft, Jeffrey Lurie, the Roonies. After that, I think you could fill the blank in. Kraft, Jeffrey Lurie. The Roonies. Chicago's a train wreck. San Francisco makes a lot of dumb moves. 
Paul Allen doesn't own the Seahawks anymore. Denver, new ownership, it's no longer the Bolins. The Maras, they've struggled the last 13 years, though. R.Y., the Maras and the Tishes have struggled the last decade. They've struggled. Doug's building Jacksonville. He is. He is. He's got to change it. But remember, hey, remember what he's got to do in Jacksonville, though. He's got to change the culture. The owner's got to get on page. Um, Balky's got to be on page. The general manager and the owner. They've never had that dynamic. The only time they've had that dynamic in Jacksonville is when Tom Coughlin was there the first time around. That was the only time they had that dynamic there. It's what they had. Philadelphia has the best dynamic. I'm trying to think of any other play. Pittsburgh. The only problem that you're getting in Pittsburgh now, you're getting this in Pittsburgh. You're you're getting that, hey, the number one thing in Pittsburgh is Mike Tomlin not having a losing record. Since when is that the standard in Pittsburgh? I thought winning Lombardi trophies were the standard in Pittsburgh. Okay? Right? I thought... I thought the standard in Pittsburgh was not the fact that Mike Tom. I would take a shitty season for Mike Tomlin if they could turn that thing around. I think Pittsburgh's going to be a surprise team this year. Okay? Steve Biscotti owns the Ravens. Um, yeah, the Ravens are a good organization. The Ravens are a good one. Howie is... He's evolving into this... Really great executive. He, I'll tell you this. Would we not agree since the firing of Doug Peterson and the jettison of Carson Wentz and the firing of Jalen Rager, what's the biggest mistake that he's made so far in the last three years? What's his biggest mistake that the owner, that the general managers made? What's, what, what's the biggest mistake he's made? I don't know he's made one. I don't know he's made one. I'm, I'm, I'm talking since they jettisoned Kyle Carson Wentz. Since they cleaned house. Since they got rid of all the nightmares. What has been Howie's biggest mistake? Has he overpaid anyone? No. Let me think. Yet to be determined on the draft picks. Yet to be determined on the draft picks. Okay? So right now, you can't say he's had any failure draft picks since they fired Doug. You can't say that. I, and, and I won't say that. I, like I told you before, Jordan Davis may not be the 13th pick in the draft. He's not a bust. He's not going to be a bust. He's a good football player. Your general manager has made, I'm trying to, Robert Quinn? That's such a nothing burger, though. The Robert Quinn move where you lost the fourth rounder? That's such a nothing burger. Right? 
I mean, that... You dumped Wentz. You ended up getting a one for him and another high-profile draft pick. You got that money off your book. You got that nightmare out of your organization. I, I, I tell you this. He has flipped the script on this thing so fast. Do you know most organizations, in my opinion, they die in purgatory like this forever. They never cl- – look at the Jets. The Jets – Two organizations had to go and do what? They had to bribe people to come and play for them. You know who they are? The Jets and the Cleveland Browns had to bribe two guys to come and play for them because their organizations don't have anything remotely close to what they're doing in Philly. It's, it's, it's crazy great. Hiring Jonathan Gannon? Hey, I'll say this to you. I don't like the guy either. I'm with you. Kyle, he did get the team to the Super Bowl, and they were the second-ranked defense in the National Football League. And as much as I don't like to give the guy credit, every year he was in Philly, did he not have a top-10 defense? You know, you may look at it, and we may look at it because we're looking at the micro. Most people are looking at it from 30,000 feet. But if you're looking at what Jonathan Gannon has done as a defense coordinator in Philadelphia – you're inside the top 10 one year. The other year, you're second. I don't know. If you asked any, that's why when the national pundits are talking about Gannon, they think he's some sort of brilliant defensive coordinator. Because look at his rankings. Doubling down on Barnett. I mean, I don't know why they keep him on. The, I kind of know why they keep him on the roster. Both GMs worked under Howie too. Of course they did. Get that. Andrew Berry and, and Joe Douglas were at the Novacare Center and knew they needed a quarterback to stop the bleeding. How brilliant is that? And they learned the culture where. Dude, not only is Philadelphia becoming a destination for free agents, Philadelphia is becoming a destination for owners to go to and get their executives now. That's pretty remarkable. You're not only developing talented coaches, but you're developing exceptional executives. And NFL people are seeing that. When you want a general manager, I'm going to Philadelphia first. Or get this, I'm going to ask Jeffrey Lurie if I could get his opinion when it comes to who I would hire as a GM so that I could talk to Howie. Who would you hire? Because I want my guy to be that guy. A capologist, a guy who can spot free agents. You know what else I think the, he's doing, which is brilliant? How he will take he'll, – he'll look at rosters of NFL guys on other teams, and he'll look down and go like this. You know, this guy's your white guy. He's a good tackler. Hey, James Bradbury. Dude, what was one of the biggest problems that the Giants had last year? What was it? They're secondary. You let Bradbury go. What does he do? He's a pro bowler with the Eagles. How he goes, I'll sign him. Traded a fourth for Quinn. Traded a third to keep Keeley in the fourth round. But do you believe Hurts is a top five elite quarterback year after year and a Hall of Fame candidate? You have to be determined. You have to be determined. I'm going to ask, actually, Brian Baldinger that question at 430 Eastern time if he thinks Hurts is elite 
after one season. I'm going to ask him that. See, I don't. I think he's exhibiting the potential for elite talent, but I don't think a player with one year under his belt is elite. Because you said the same thing about Carson Wentz. But you're you're right when you say this in the observation. Yes, Sills, but Wentz was a different mindset compared to this. It's true. It's true. That observation is true. Okay? The observation is true. This is a different dude to Wentz. Wentz had a lot of shit handed to him. Hertz has been an underachiever and had to overachiever and had to do a lot more things than what Carson Wentz did. His journey was different. No question about it. Yeah, yeah, I get that he shit the bed. But that's not what you were saying after the 2017 season. You were not saying that about him. You were calling him elite. Like you're doing now after one season with Jalen Hurts. I think you've got to do this continually to be given that crown of being an elite quarterback. That goes for Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. Because if those guys go on the same projections that they're on right now and they're not winning championships, dude, Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, do you know what? I'll say this to you about Kirk Cousins in the NFL. Kirk Cousins is the norm if you don't win championships. Because at the end of the day, what are you going to remember Kirk Cousins for? Never winning big games and putting up a shitload of numbers. That's the standard NFL quarterback. Kirk Cousins is the the floor of NFL quarterbacks, Mahomes is the ceiling. Do you understand that? And that that floor and ceiling is not that high. It's not that high. Derek Carr was fired. Baker Mayfield was hired, fired. A lot of guys who get, I'll tell you this, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is under a ton of pressure, I think, this year. And I know he's going to be coming off a knee injury. Son, you got to win at 46.1 million bucks. You've got to win. So is he top five? Um, yeah. Yes. Here. You know, I'm good. I'm good. That's funny, Michael. I'll throw it this way to you about about Jalen Hurts. If I had to win a Super Bowl, would Jalen Hurts be one of the five guys I would choose from? Yes. If I had, who do I think wins a Super Bowl first? Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen? Buffalo's a really great organization. Sean McDermott's a hell of a coach. (sighs) Question, does consistency plus Super Bowls make you elite? Or is it consistency plus playoff success above 500? and, and, And to Tone's question here, well, do you think Peyton Manning was a successful postseason quarterback? You guys think Peyton Manning was a successful postseason quarterback? 14 and 13. 
do, do, do you think Peyton Manning at 14 and 13 was a successful postseason quarterback? Is that success to you? He's a game. He's one game above 500. Not as successful as he could have been. So you think he underachieved. Hmm. Aaron Rodgers, 13 and 12. Brett Favre, 15 and 14. Russell Wilson, 9 and 7. So when you talk about success in the postseason, shit, what's Jalen's record? 3 and 2? That's not uncommon. Not everybody's Brady. Montana. Montana's 14 and 6. There's very few QBs that have spectacular postseason records. So it's hard to quantify that. Super Bowls showing up in the postseason. That's why I say the word elite to me means consistency. You're always in the game. You're always in the conversation. You always have your team there. Like when you step on the field and Aaron Rodgers is on the field, I don't care what you think of the personality. I hate it too. I still think their team has a chance to win. When I watch Dak play, I think Dak gives the Cowboys a chance to win every game he's in. When I watch Kirk Cousins play, I look at Cousins and go like this. I feel more comfortable with with Dak than I do Cousins for some reason. Because Dak will play pretty decent in big games. Cousins doesn't in any big game. Let me ask you this then. Do you use elite too loosely? In, do we use elite too loosely in football? Yeah, because you know why? Everybody wants to see your guy be the guy. There's only one Michael Jordan. And when you start using that word elite, it offends me in a way because Hertz hasn't done anything yet, really, to be considered it. Nor has Allen, to some extent, Burrow, Kyler Murray. There's only one elite quarterback in the NFL right now. He's in Kansas City. There's only one. And Rodgers, I guess. Those are your only elite guys in the sport. Rodgers has been brilliant for 17 years. Brilliant. Mahomes has been spectacular. Those are elite guys. Not these other guys. I don't care how much money you're making. Look at, look at Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has put together a great resume. He's put together a phenomenal resume. Got to win in the postseason, though, son. Regular season resumes don't translate when you're talking about elite guys and in your place in history. Now, Jalen, now here, because I could hear people going, Sills hating on. No, Jalen's at the beginning of his building of his legacy. He's at the beginning of building his resume. So it's unfair to sit here and go, that's why I said he's not elite right now, but he's showing signs of having the characteristics of potentially being there. It, 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 it goes down that line. Dude, when I use the word greatness and I use the word elite, I don't loosely throw it around. That's why when we started the program off, we, we, we are such prisoners of the moment. That's right, Yell. He's starting out. That's why when people ask me about Jordan Davis, Sills, do you think Jordan Davis is a butt? No, I do not. 
He was overdrafted, like I said, as of right now. But we'll see. Better players around him? I think Jalen Carter being around him? Hey, we'll find out. Is he an elite ball player? No. Aaron Donald's elite. Fletcher Cox is an elite ball player. Here, let me give you the guys that you've had that have been elite. You think A.J. Brown's elite? I don't. He had a career year last year. He never had over 68 catches his entire career. At any time in Tennessee, one year doesn't make you elite. He's showing tendencies of being an elite type of skilled guy. But he's not Jerry Rice or shit, even Antonio Brown. Okay, Tannehill. Well, it's part of the game, Yale. Oh, here. So Yale goes like this. Well, he had Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. Yeah, Justin Jefferson's got Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Doesn't seem to be affecting him, does it? You think Kirk Cousins is affecting the greatness of Justin Jefferson? You imagine if that guy played with Mahomes? What if Jefferson played with Burrow? Or if Jefferson played with Herbert? What if he played with Hurts? He'd have 2,500 yards. Can you imagine? I'd rather have Cousins. Okay, like I said, though, we're not calling Kirk Cousins elite. And actually, Ryan Tannehill's actually been to a conference championship game with Tennessee. (laughs) Okay? He's actually been to a conference title. A.J. Brown's not elite. So you think one year of 90 catches and the other years in the 60s and 900 yards as an average, you think that's elite numbers? Where, 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 where do you think that? Here. A.J. Brown's career is not elite. When we're talking about what he's done. Hey, Tone, um, did you send Did you send to... Um, did you send to uh, Baldy's um, email address? Did you send it to his email address? Thank you very much. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I should. We'll say uh, check your. Should I say check your spam? Let's see then. Check your spam, and we're sending again. Are sending again. So let's take a timeout. Let's take a timeout. Brian Baldinger is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. Strength of schedule is going to be a factor this year. I've got a comment on that. Also, uh, a look at the early, early 2024. And I got predictions I'm going to make. I may do the predictions right off the top of the block here in hour number two, 430 Eastern. We are going to talk to our friend Brian Baldinger, and we'll get his thoughts here. He's going to call us in about 30 minutes here, so we look forward to that. Hour number two, please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Coming aboard here with us. Thank you for stepping in with us. Um, Brian Baldinger will join us at the bottom of the hour. Please hit the like button. Don't forget also, Thursday at 5.30, our friend Ice Cube is going to jump aboard. We're going to talk a little NBA. We're going to talk a little Big Three. We're going to talk some sports with him. We will get his thoughts. Can't wait to talk to him. By the way, before we go on, and my predictions for the 2000. 23 NFL season. Where are we on Justin Fields? Will he make it? You think Justin Fields becomes an elite quarterback in this league? You think he becomes You think he becomes an elite player? By the way, I do want to hit this up here before we also continue there. Because I said something about A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown career stats. Um, I look at Justin Fields. Man, there's a ton of work to do. And I think he's in a shitty organization, the Bears. Bears don't produce quarterbacks, nor do they develop them. 
They just don't. I mean, they just don't. I feel for the kid. If I were him, that's a quarterback hell. Chicago's a quarterback hell. They're not, they're not going to help that guy become a better player. They're just not. Neil goes, Fields needs more consistency. Yeah, you know where they need more consistency, Neil? In their front office. In their personnel department. So you let Roquan Smith go, and then you sign $100 million worth of linebackers. How in the world does that help Justin Fields? Why didn't you take some of that $100 million and go get DeAndre Hopkins for him? I, I, I get the offensive line, guy that they drafted in the first round. I, I get that. But why didn't you go get DeAndre Hopkins for him? Fields was on a rookie contract. You Didn't you see what A.J. Brown brought to Jalen Hurts last year? Did you not see what Amari Cooper brought to Dak Prescott? A couple years removed from that trade with the Raiders. Are you not seeing that? Instead, you, you sign $100 million worth of linebackers. It's dumb. So when you're looking at Ju- Justin Fields' chances of becoming an elite quarterback in Chicago are slim to none, in my opinion. He's in the wrong place. Look at Jalen Hurts, man. We talked about in the whole first hour of the show how elite the organization is. The Eagles are an elite organization from top to bottom. The whole organization, training staff, coaching staff, front office, all of it. By the way, real quick here, I'm going to get on to my predictions here for 2023. And also, Brian Baldinger is going to join us at the bottom of the hour here. So you tell me if you think this is elite numbers by A.J. Brown. How many people think A.J. Brown's elite? He's an elite receiver. How many people think that he, when you look at him, he's an elite wideout? Mark goes, yes. You think he's one of the top five wideouts in the NFL? Think he's top 10? Probably good with that. Top 10. He's elite. In the right fit. Interesting take. And a good one. And a good one. Here's, here's A.J. Brown's numbers so far in the NFL. 52 catches, 1,000 yards. That's pretty damn good. 70 catches, 1,075. 63, 869. And then last year, 88, 1496. Three or four years, 1,000 yards. Got hurt the year before in Tennessee. Those are pretty respectable. I'd say he's top 10. I'd say he's a top. I mean, a thousand yards today is fifty-eight yards a game. Fifty-eight yards a game. I don't know. I I, look. I think he's top ten. Chris goes. He's elite on the Eagles. That's a great take. That's a great take. You're right. Every guy has. How many times have you guys seen wide receivers go places? And when you bring them in, like look look at Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams brought nothing to the Raiders. Had pretty decent number. He brought nothing to the Raiders. He was spectacular with Aaron Rodgers. 
He's spectacular. He, go, he goes out there with Derek Carr. He's a dude. And his numbers are hidden because the team is just not going anywhere. I think you can have really great wide receivers on your team and not go anywhere like the Dolphins. I really do think it comes down to the quarterback. Look at Justin Jefferson. If Kirk Cousins has empty calorie stats, so does Justin Jefferson. Because it's not resulting in anything. You're not going anywhere. When's the last elite quarter, quarterback wide receiver duo to win a Super Bowl? Cup and Stafford? Matthew Stafford's not an elite quarterback. Let's see. Brady and Evans? Is Evans elite? Who is the last quarterback Elite quarterback and elite wide receiver to win the Super Bowl. Tyreek Hill, Mahomes? Cup? Had an elite year? I don't think Matthew Stafford's elite. When, now listen to me here. When is the last elite quarterback and elite wide receiver won the Super Bowl? Shit, Monty. Brady never had an elite wide receiver. He's never had one and won a Super Bowl with an elite guy. Never had an elite wide out. Mahomes and Tyree Kill, the first, the first Super Bowl. Edelman's not elite. Mike Evans, you think Mike Evans is an elite wide out? Do you think he's elite, Mike Evans? I don't know. I okay. I, I I think he's borderline elite. I think he's a good ball player. Ten thousand yards through nine seasons. Okay, Brady and Evans. Let's let's continue with that. Who else? Tyree Kill, Mahomes, Brady. Mike Evans, who? Matthew Stafford's not an elite quarterback. He's not. He's not an elite quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Every year he's been in the league, he's he's eclipsed 1,000 yards receiving, the model of consistency. That's an elite elite wideout. And plus he had Brady, who's an elite quarterback. My point is, there's not a ton of these guys. That you get that matchup with an elite wideout and an elite quarterback winning Super Bowls. It doesn't work like that. Welker not elite. Big Ben and AB. Okay, now we're going back a little bit. Was Troy Aikman elite? What do you think? When you talk about the elite quarterbacks in the history of the sport, you think Aikman was? Look at that. Vet goes, look, Vet, Vet has the ultimate Foles and Jeffries. <laughs> Two guys not elite win you a Super Bowl. I dare you to say Aikman was elite. I don't think so. I think he was a perfect fit for what they were doing with running the ball. And they played within the structure of the offense. Yeah, I, I wouldn't consider that. 
Aikman won. I get it. Aikman, Hall of Fame game manager. Okay. Wait a minute. I would say more of this instead of that team manager shit. I would say Aikman played within the confines of what they asked him to do offensively and didn't deviate from the game plan and didn't do what Aaron Rodgers and a lot of quarterbacks like Josh Allen and others do. They think they have to make the play of the game and play hero ball like your boy Wentz. Aikman was never going to play hero ball. And to the point, I would say this to you about Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is never going to play hero ball. Jalen's got a little Troy in him. That resulted in three Super Bowls, though. So before you shit on Troy, Troy played within the confines of his talent around him. Doesn't Jalen do that? Isn't Jalen kind of doing exactly what Aikman did? Playing within the confines of the talent that he has in his huddle. Great O-line? Elite receivers? Hey, Alvin Harper and Michael Irvin were outstanding duos. Okay? They were outstanding. And you had an elite running game. I would say this. There's a difference in the talent level and the talents and the skill set, but they kind of play within the same structure of what's being asked of them. Do they not? Plus, you had Moose at fullback. You had considered one of the better old lines in pro football history. I don't know. There's a lot of comparisons there. You had a lot of comparisons. Now, I think they're, they rely more on, on Jalen in the Eagle offense than they do on Troy Aikman. Someone got those yards and someone got those passes to Harper in. Novacek and to Michael Irvin. Someone had to throw the ball. And again, I, I get you. The num- If I had to rank the triplets, it's Emmett, Troy, and Irvin. That would be, in my opinion, how you would rank those. Because, again, some Michael Irvin, somebody had to throw him the ball. Manning, Harrison, and Wayne, underachieved, like we said, though. All right. Before we get Brian Baldinger on, I got some predictions. And I threw these out, and I was talking to my friend last night. And I said, these are some of the things that I'd like to see happen this year in the NFL. Here's some of my predictions. Is Kurt Warner elite for that time frame when he was in Los Angeles? Shit, even in Arizona. He, he, he was a special dude. He was, man. He, he was a special ball player. Got that ball out, man. Flicked that thing down the field. God. Kind of a short period. Of, he did a ton of winning, too. Two Super Bowls, MVP, Super Bowl MVP. I mean, man, he, he was really good. He, he was a great ball player. An argument can be made. This team could be Aikman Cowboys on offense, Gang Green on defense. What do you think, Sells? Little little early on the Gang Green yet for um, the young talent. I think they're athletic. I'm trying to think. Let me think. Are they as athletic as Gang Green? Jalen Carter, Jerome Brown. 
um, Mike Pitts, Jordan Davis. You don't have Reggie on the team, but you do have good edge setters, Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham. You got an elite pass rusher and Hassan Reddick. You may have another elite pass rusher in Nolan Smith. By the way, I don't think Baldy's a fan of Nolan Smith. I'll ask him. Um, your corners, I don't think your second here. I don't think Arthur, your secondary is as good as Gang Green. Now it's a different NFL, too. Okay, plus Seth in the middle. I do not believe Nicobe Dean is Seth Joyner. Okay, I know, Joshua. I got a guy, Joshua, that went to Jerome's tombstone and sent a picture to me. Said we won it for JB. It was on his birthday. I know, I know the whole story. It was pretty the whole thing is the whole thing, Jerome's looking down. Here's my predictions before we get Baldy on. I think the Lions, I think they win their division. You know the last time the Lions won the division? It was called the NFC Central Division. I played in the Central Division. 93 was the last time they won a division. And, I, hey, I could see them winning a playoff game. I think the Lions are going to be awful good this year. I do. I think they're going to be awful good. 2023 NFL predictions. This is an Eagle prediction. For the first time, and Tone, correct me if I'm wrong. For the first time, we're going to have a repeat winner in the NFC East since 2004. The Eagles are going to repeat as champions of the NFC East. Has it been that long that we haven't had a repeat winner of the division since 2004? Is that right? So since 2004, they've been revolving division winners in the NFC East. Wow. So I think the Eagles break that, Jinx. And I think they win. I think they win back-to-back NFC East titles. I'm going to make another prediction, and I know you guys are probably going to hate this one. But I think Lamar Jackson is going to throw for 4,500 yards this year. I think this guy's going to come out with his hair on fire. I think he's going to have a spectacular season. And I think he's just, to me, one of those dudes. If this guy doesn't get himself killed in a game, he's going to have a huge year. Dude, I think this guy's going to have a huge year. Because, man, he, he's one. I think he's one of those guys that plays with a lumber yard on his shoulder. I, I, I love Lamar Jackson. I love he negotiated his contract. I love the guy. I love the leader. I love how he carries himself. I love how he personifies the leadership. I love how he just, his whole demeanor. Except for this, and I agree with you guys. Hey, bailing on the team last year, you're going to have to go out there and play, play your ass off to kind of take that away a little bit. So I'm with you on that. That's kind of the only dent in the fender that I have with Lamar Jackson is 
how that whole thing went down last year. Okay. Wait for this one. Hey, Tone. I think Bijan Robinson leads the National Football League in rushing. <laughs> God forbid. I think Bijan Robinson leads the National Football League in rushing this year. <laughs> and hey, you better hope that running tandem that you got. You better hope that running tandem you have in the backfield with the Eagles. You better hope they covered at 1,311 touchdown performance of Miles Sanders of a year ago. Because if that guy becomes the NFL's leading rusher, okay, you missed out on the NFL's all leading rusher in his rookie year. <laughs> hey, 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 man, it's a prediction. Big Sip, what do you think I'm going to do? Go out there and go, hey, I think the Eagles, hey, hey, wait a minute. Hey, hey, cheese. Here's a hot take. The Eagles win the NFC East. <laughs> I mean, don't you think you got to kind of go out on the limb a little bit here? If you're making a prediction, don't you go on a limb a little, little, you know what I mean? I love when I hear people go, yeah, you know what? I think LeBron James has a great chance to win an NBA title. That's not really that much of a reach. <laughs> I mean, I think you got to kind of go out on a limb a little bit. I got a hot take for you. Jalen Carter will lead all DTs in the NFC East in sacks and TFLs. Holy sheesh. Over the guy in New York? Wow. Man. All right. I like it, Tone. Justin Jefferson. See, I don't know if this is much of a take. Justin Jefferson solidifies for the second year in a row. He's the best wide receiver in the National Football League. <laughs> I know, scorching. <laughs> Leading rushers overrated. Josh Jacobs was the first, and Henry was second. Rushing leader. Okay? You don't think the – if you had the NFL's rushing leader on that offense in Philadelphia, you don't think that helps? Jalen Hurts, throw for 5,000 yards. So if you had a guy in the Eagle backfield that would be the leading rusher in the NFL, you don't think that helps the Eagles. Tennessee and the Raiders are not the Eagles. Huh. Hot take there, vet. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, Tone, here's another prediction. Big Sills, 2023. I thought about this before I'm going to say it. Okay, are you ready? The NFC Championship game will be held in Lincoln Financial versus the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> NFC Championship game. Cowboys. Eagles. Lincoln Financial. 
There's your conference championship game. <laughs> How would you like to have the NFC title game between the Cowboys and the Eagles like you did when Vermeil was there? And you play those guys to get to the Super Bowl. And then you beat Mahomes in the Super Bowl. So you go through Dallas in the conference title game. It'll be an even greater run than last year. So I'm predicting for the first time in 788 years, the Cowboys are getting back to a conference title game. And we'll play the Eagles in the NFC Championship game in Philly. (laughs) Won't be the Niners. It'll be the Cowboys. Think of it. What other team gives the Eagles more trouble? The 49ers don't. The Cowboys do. They're the only team. It's like the kryptonite of Philly is Dak. They're the only team. See, when you guys go, I'm a better team than Dallas. Well, over the last decade, you haven't proven that. Head-to-head competition, I'm saying. You haven't. Since Dak's been the starting quarterback there, he's pretty much owned the Eagles. So you got to put that into context. That's been kind of like the kryptonite to Philly has been Dak. No, no. Geno Smith over Dak? No, I'll take Dak. I'll take Dak over Geno. I think Dak's better than Geno. I think Geno had a good year. Again, no. Geno had a good year and 11 horrible ones. So I don't know. I mean, I want to see him do it again. Is that fair? All of a sudden, Geno Smith's a better quarterback than Dak. And this guy has had a horrible career. And now he's better than Dak. Not that Dak had a good year last year. How do you know that wasn't a one-of year for Dak with those 15 INTs, too? So you're going to give Geno the love and dub him a better quarterback than Dak Prescott, even though Dak's had the better career. Okay? That's going to be my prediction. My prediction is Cowboys and Eagles in the NFC Championship game. Because when you look at the NFC, what other team like Seattle and Geno, like you guys just said. Well, let's kind of take a look at that for a minute. Geno sucked for a decade. Now he had a good year. Now we're all of a sudden he's better than Dak. Okay, well, Dax had a horrible year last year. I get it. What other team in the NFC? The Vikings? Dude, don't play them past 4.30 in the p.m. <laughs> because Kirk Cousins, man, that dude, that dude turns into Sam Bradford. Um, There's really nobody. Let me bring my friend in from the NFL Network, Brian Baldinger. Baldy, what do you think of that prediction, man? Lincoln Financial, NFC title game, Cowboys and Eagles. Well, you know that it would be a ratings bonanza, right, Sills? I mean, you know how TV works. Cowboys, Eagles, I mean, division rivals. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply the history of the organizations, all of that. But are you just going to discount the 49ers here, Sills? I'm discounting them until they can figure out how to protect their quarterback. And Baldy, I'm going to piggyback on what I'm saying here. Protect their quarterback and also figure out the quarterback. And I go, and the reason I say that with Kyle Shanahan, and I've asked everybody from Phil Sims to – Tony Dungy, and I'm going to ask you now. So this guy here, he can't protect the lead when he's the OC in, in Atlanta. RG3 gets hurt. They bring him back too soon. They put him out there. He gets hurt. Could it be coincidence? Okay. All of a sudden, he gets out to San Francisco. Well, that was his father. That was Mike Shanahan. Yeah. Okay. So all of a sudden, Purdy gets hurt. Trey Lance gets hurt. Garoppolo gets hurt. Okay. Is it me, Baldy? I mean, does this guy struggle at protecting his quarterbacks? Well, he shouldn't have, you know, the backup tight end trying to block Hassan Reddick on the sixth play of the game. You know, when Hassan Reddick put up 19 sacks this year and the Eagles were getting ready to set an NFL sack record, like I wouldn't put my backup tight end trying to block Hassan Reddick on a seven-second, you know, play-action pass. Let's push it down the field. Sixth play of the game play. I probably wouldn't have done that. But you also can't anticipate that, you know, a day later he's going to need Tommy John surgery to fix the the injury to the ligament in the elbow. Said he put him back in the game too here. Let me get into the Eagles here. Um, All right. Would you make an Eagle draft? Oh, I mean, look, uh, it depends on. So here's the here's the question. I mean, you get Jalen Carter, you get Nolan Smith. All right, you get Sidney Brown. You know, they get Tyler Steen from Alabama, but. If you're looking at the two Georgia kids, are they overrated sills and they fell where they belong at number nine and number 30? Or are they truly rated as high as what people anticipated and things dropped them? It's one or the other. You know, but now only time will tell if Jalen Carter is as talented as what people say. I mean, he played the large part of the season. You can relate to this, Dan, but you can – you know, he got hurt in the first game of the season against Oregon, high ankle sprain, kind of played through it all year. You want to see what Jalen Carter looked like. Look at him the year before. But it's weird. It's a weird program. I mean, obviously, Kirby Smart is way smarter than all of us. But it's a weird system, Dan. Like, I, I, I no I, defense alignment ever plays more than four plays in a row, ever. You know I mean, what? You can't they- get them on the field for a whole series. They're always rotating. So, like, do they have endurance? Do they have stamina? Are they in shape? Like, sometimes you watch Jalen Carter, you're like, well, is, is, is it just a system we're rotating? Or is he really in shape? And can he go four quarters? Like, I don't know what it is yet. Baldy, you hit on exactly, and I, I think it's our mentality of where we came from and what we saw. And here, here's where I'm going with this, too, with – like I said about Jordan Davis, I said, that guy's not the 13th pick. He's down nope. in the 20s somewhere down there. 
And these guys do so much rotating. Then I looked at production. Jimmy Johnson always said, I yeah. want guys who are around the ball. So in 43 games, he had nine sacks. This last year, he had none. And I went, man, this guy runs a 4-7, and he's got no production at mm -hmm. all on his resume. I played next to Jerome Brown. He and I both had 100 tackles. And I have to remember, we didn't do a lot of rotating, but I had Cortez Kennedy and Russell Maryland behind me and <laughs> Stubbs and Hawkins on the other side of me and Jerome. And I'm like, well, shit, dude. You know, I know it's the age of, of rotating, Baldy. And I know that to keep guys in your program, not in the transfer portal, you got to play guys. But you think? do you think Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, you think they're overrated? Or how about this? Better yet, overhyped? Well, we're going to find out, you know, I mean, neither one of them had great production. And now I've seen a lot of, you know, like Jordan Davis, they got hurt twice last year. He had a hard time staying on the field, didn't get to the quarterback, but I had questions about coming out of Georgia, Dan, like I didn't see him get to the quarterback. So I said, do you want to spend the 13th pick on a guy that's there to stop the run? Like that's not today's game. Like that's not how you build a team. That was my question about him. Everybody's like, ah, you don't see like, his domination. I'm like, no, I don't. But like maybe in the second year, like Warren Sapp has talked to me about him and, you know, like he's got to learn the game, you know, the way Sapp learned the game, you know, he's one of the smartest guys ever played. So like, you know, you gotta, you, I, I'm willing to give the guy a second year, a red shirt year for they can, because the game is so different in college and the pro I, I, I'll give him the red shirt year, but you got to show me third down production. You got to show me a reason to keep you on the field. You know, when it's second and 12, when it's third and 18, I need you on the field changing the game. And I don't know that we're going to get that. We're, we're going to find that out. I have a feeling you could get that from Jalen Carter because I see his his power. I see his ability to move big people. I see that. I got to see it in more than just spurts, though. I got to see a consistent Jerome Brown domination the way Jerome dominated inside. You know, in, in, and I said this about Jordan. I said, I think his floor is Vince Wolfert. Vince won three Super Bowls. But are you drafting a nose at 13? And I think, and, and I said also, if he becomes the Fletcher Cox 2.0, Baldy, that's a win, right? I mean, I think he's going to fall somewhere in the middle there in between those two guys. Do you agree? Well, you know, like, I, I say this about Fletcher all the time, Silio, like, I know I live in Philly. I, I see Fletcher around. Like I remember, he was drafted. Um, I think thirteen. He was in two thousand twelve. Okay, way high. Like he he looks exactly the same today after all these years. He's never he's never missed any amount of time. I think in one year he had a toe thing, but he's always in shape. He's never he's never three twenty. He's never three oh five. He's three ten three white there, right there. He always looks the same. Like, he's been a consistent pro. Physically, he can throw the best around. You leave him one-on-one, -on -one, he can win the one-on-one. -on -one. Like, he's been a great pro. He, 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 he gave them everything you could possibly want in a top 15 pick. Like, you can't ask, unless you're going to the Hall of Fame, you know, the way Cortez Kennedy did. Like, unless you're doing that, and Fletcher's not that good. But he, he's been a great pro in a top 15 pick for over a decade. I would say that for sure. Howie Roseman now, you know, you know, Baldy, it seems now he's better now than even after they won the Super Bowl in 17 
the contract with the cap hits with Hertz's contract, the saving of, you know, they lose their top five tacklers on defense and all those free agents that they had. I mean, he's been able to retool. He's addressed the stuff in the draft here. I mean, what's the difference you think? And do you think he's a better general manager today after coming out of the broom closet when they put him in there when Chip was running the ship? Do you think he's better now and he listens more as a GM to the people around him? Well, he's had a lot of lieutenants come and go. I mean, Joe Douglas runs the New York Jets. Andy Weidel runs the Pittsburgh Steelers. Him and Omar Khan. Andrew he's Barry had a lot of guys Cleveland. leave. You know, a lot, you know, a lot of these guys have been through Philly. They've learned. He's learned. Um, look, the smartest move he's made, honestly, Dan, was three years ago with the 53rd pick in the second round, it took Jalen Hurts. Like, he didn't know. Nobody knew Jalen Hurts was going to be a bona fide MVP candidate in his third year. But what people didn't realize, and I think they're still learning, is what's inside of Jalen Hurts. Like, the guy just burns bright. Like, everything. You know, leadership, putting himself in front of everybody as far as looking himself in the mirror, improving, working on his weaknesses, strengthening those things. Like, he's he's exactly what every team is looking for at quarterback. And I believe he's going to get better. And now he's taken that philosophy um, that Joe Douglas, a lot of guys had. Like, get your guy and never stop building around him. Keep the trenches strong. Draft Tyler Steen the second round from Alabama. Give him a shot at right, you know, right guard. Uh, give him to Jeff Stoutland for a year. Let him learn a position. You know, train him hard. And so, you know, he's not his message. Jalen Rago was a horrible pick, you know, instead of Justin Jefferson three years ago. I mean, he, but everybody makes them. His, the good thing about, honestly, Howie, is they're not afraid to just move on from mistakes, whether it's Carson Wentz, which became a mistake. Like, move on from him. You know, just cut your losses. You know, try not to save too much face. When you you know you got some something else, and that's sometimes that we all make mistakes in this business. Everybody does, you know. The best make uh, draft mistakes. Cut your losses. Move on. Couple last questions for you here, Baldy. Um, so that being said about Hertz, are you ready to call him elite after one great year? Because remember this, Baldy. After the seventeen year, they gave Wentz the contract, and everyone in Philadelphia was calling him elite. And all of a sudden, that thing went sideways, and it fell apart and unraveled quickly. Yeah. Can we sit? I know. I know that, like you just said, there's two different men here. So I get that there's two different guys. But are you comfortable calling him one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL? Yeah, but yeah, I, I am. But there's a caveat. Okay, like he can't run as much as he's run. Like he ran too much. Like there's a time to run. There's a time you're being chased. Protection breaks down. You go. But he's taking too many hits. He's been, he got hurt two years ago, bad ankles, got hurt against Chicago this year, missed some games. Uh, don't know the shoulder was ever right all the way through the Super Bowl. Um, we'll never know, but that's a good thing. Like, he's not going to let anybody know. Uh, he's got to change his style a little bit, I believe, Dan, in order to survive because nobody takes these hits. Trevor Gibson fell on top of him, right shoulder basically popped out. So he's got – but I do know this. He's coachable, and he wants to be coached hard. And I don't know that you could say that about Carson. Like, he, he, you know, sometimes you take the quarterback and you put him front and center in front of the room and you point things out. Because if you can get on Jalen Hurts making $51 million a year, they know that that backup kickoff returner could be getting on too. So, you, you like, you could do that with Jalen. Not that you need to. 
but I think you can coach him hard and, 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 and he wants to be coached hard to be better. And, and I think that's, what's different about him that I think we haven't seen the best of him. I think he's only going to get better. NFL question, Aaron Rodgers, his impact with the jets will be what in 2023. I think the jets are going to be a playoff team, Dan. Um, I think his, he, he, the question a lot of people had was, Hey, is this a one-year rental? Is he there going there for a year to just stick it to the Packers? I don't believe any of that. I believe he's there for more than a year, at least two. I believe he's already – I've been up there a couple of times, Dan. Uh, I believe that his off-season commitment is already underway. He's there throwing. He's in the building. And he's not like this uh, entitled guy. Like, I know guys that do the TV in New York. Aaron, can we put a microphone on you today to do this thing on the field? Can we follow you around with the camera? Like, yeah. Like, I, he's out there introducing himself to secretaries, to the trainers, to the TV, you know, end of it, to the to the scouting side. Like, he knows what he's got to do to be successful. And sometimes you go in there and you're just Aaron Rodgers and you just live in a bubble and you don't do any of that. Well, you know, Brady didn't do that coming to Tampa. He ain't doing that going. I think this can work. Now, can they protect him? Well enough, that's been the question for all the quarterbacks over the last, you know, since Joe Douglas took over. Can they build a good enough wall, you know, to protect them? Because I think they have a lot of things in place to be good. Final question for you. Who leads this team further and who has a better year, Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson? Well, I think Lamar Jackson's just much further ahead in his development. He's going into his fifth year of starting. They, they basically built the team around him. Uh, you know, OBJ coming in, Zay Flowers drafted, you know, Mark Andrews, a, you know, a Pro Bowl tight end, um, a very, you know, a number one drafted center, Tyler Linderbaum last year. You know, Ronnie Stanley's been a, uh, a Pro Bowl left tackle. I mean, they've got pieces in place for Lamar to be successful. They've taken Todd Munkin on as offensive coordinator to help expand and grow the passing game that he's got to get better at. Now, we'll see, but I think just because Deshaun's now going through his first offseason, I don't think the team is nearly as complete as I don't think the organization is as good or proven as Baltimore's is. So I just feel like Lamar's in a better position because of everything around him, from the organization, from the ownership all the way down, than Deshaun is. Next time you're in Tampa, um, let me know ahead of time because I love when we get you on. Get you either over to Malios or over to Burns Steakhouse. Or we can always send you to the wing house and you can go see Big Daddy. How you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I have an open bar tab over at Burns. So I I, I better get that cleared up first (laughs) before I walk back in there. Hey, hey, Baldy, great success you're having, man. It's great listening to you and watching you on the NFL Network. Make sure everyone checks them out. Brother, thank you so much for our friendship and you finding time for me. Thank you, brother. You got it, Stilio. I'll see you, buddy. Talk, you got it. That's Brian Baldinger. Please hit the like button. We appreciate Baldy coming on with us here. Hit the like button. We'll hit on what Brian said here in a second. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. 
Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. De Niro having a kid at 79. I'm not sure how to think of that. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Must be nice to have that kind of money, man. This guy's 79 years old. How you doing? Anyway, Baldy, love it. So Baldy's not sold on the Georgia program. You know, I struggle with that too. I do. I do. I I struggle with that also. The guys, name who's the best Georgia Bulldog under Kirby Smart that's playing in the NFL today. Let me think. I'm sure there's some. Who's the best Georgia player since Kirby's been there? Roquan Smith, okay? 
Roquan Smith. How come they're not rolling off my tongue like the Ohio State guys are? Shit, there's a ton of Ohio State guys. It's funny. Now that you point that out. Shit, Jordan Davis? Roquan Smith? Nick Chubb? I'll go there. How long has he been? How long has he been the head coach at Georgia? Wow, I never. How long has Kirby Smart been the head coach at Georgia? Since 2015. So, like, what? About nine years? Eight years? Since 16, okay. Roquan Smith, Nick Chubb. Who else? Wow, this guy's not produced a lot of NFL stars. Two guys. Well, the guy Pickens. The guy in Pittsburgh, isn't he pretty good? That wide receiver they got from last year's draft. I, I like him. I like him. Seals off topic, but they're just released new info, Matt Ariza. I'm going to get to him at the top of the hour. I'm going to get to him, J.H. I'm going to get to him at the top of the hour. So, Baldinger's not a fan of the Georgia Bulldog program. I've said this to you. These guys don't have big production charts. There's, There's not big production charts. Nolan Smith didn't have it. Jordan Davis didn't ha- again. I'm not. I'm not swayed by that because again, today's college football is different. You know, the, the transfer portal. You got to play guys. You can't stockpile guys like we used to be able to, like at Miami, where I did have Cortez Kennedy and Russell Maryland behind me. You can't do that anymore. You you just can't because you're transfer, and you you'll drop into the portal and. You'll go against an opponent. You go to LSU or you go to Alabama or you'll go to Tennessee or Florida. So I get that. I mean, it's all, but man, really, if you think about it, Kirby Smart really produces a lot of really great college football stars, but not really a lot of great NFL stars. Okay. I mean, here, let's do this. Who are the best players that Nick Saban has produced at Alabama? I mean, superstar players. Derrick Henry. Julio Jones. I like this kid, Landon Dickerson. Who else? Alabama. Melvin Ingram? I don't know, superstar. Funny, these two of these coaches, it's not like Pitt. Pitt puts out Darrell Rivas, Aaron Donald. I mean, some of the best players, like Curtis Martin, they put out a ton of players. 
I mean, Devontae Hightower, would you call him an elite player? I wouldn't. Judy, elite? Patrick Sertan, I like. I'm just saying, when you start to think about it, these Alabama and Georgia guys, boy, man, I mean, they're good. They're good NFL guys. I think Dickerson's a fine ball player. Uh, Fitzpatrick. Julio Jones, really a good ball player. But in 17 years or whatever it is now that he's been at Alabama, has he put an NFL Hall of Famer in the building in Canton? Probably Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry? Anybody else? Hmm. Interesting. That's an interesting take by Brian, Brian Baldinger. Georgia, are these guys out of shape because they do too much rotating and that may be not a product of Jordan Davis? I think that's a – hey, Tone, of the interview, that might be the bite there about the Georgia program. And you know what? It's I, I think it's a shot across the bow at the Georgia program. They do so much rotating. Are these guys really in shape? How could you draft two defensive tackles? One guy shows up to the combines and Jalen Carter, and he's out of shape and doesn't look like he's in really great shape. And then Jordan Davis is being questioned about his conditioning and his eating habits. Can that just be by coincidence? And then you look at Nolan Smith's production. I, I think it's a spectacular. I don't know about you, Yell, and everyone else, but I think that's a great point. They do so much rotating at Georgia, and they have so much talent at Georgia. These guys aren't in shape. These guys aren't in shape. It, it, it's Can it possibly be two defensive tackles in a row that the number one question mark you have about them is their dedication to conditioning? I find that hard to believe with a taskmaster like Kirby Smart and with – I think this may be one of the issues you get into when you do a lot of that rotating. It's a fair criticism. The Eagles rotate a lot as well. Could be the best situation for the rookies. Yeah, but Jordan Davis was out of shape last year. And he played limited. He was out of shape. He wasn't... Even though the Eagles do rotate tone, he wasn't in Eagle rotation shape. Is that going to be an issue here for these two ball players too? Wow. So you were in a culture that didn't expect you to be in the best top physical condition. Let me say this to you, man. Let me say this. When I played at Miami with Jerome, and again, it's a different era. I get it. Okay? I I, I played 98% of the plays. I never came out. Unless I got nicked up or we were killing a team. I never came out. And we were always in shape. We could play 60 minutes of football. I mean, I could have went 100 plays and been just as fresh in the fourth. We took advantage of the heat. 
We took advantage of the opponents not practicing in that heat. And we scheduled you at 1 o'clock every day at the Orange Bowl. We hated night games. You know why? When I saw some fat ass come down from South Bend or Ann Arbor or wherever the hell you were from, I knew you were not near the shape we were in. We ran our balls off. We were net. That was something that was not acceptable. And again, I, I, it just seems to me that with all this rotation, you're, you're not in game shit. That's a crazy indictment on Georgia. That's a crazy indictment that Georgia doesn't have their players in the physical top condition. Because if you look, we're looking at two. And by the way, I'm praying that's not the case for Jalen. But let's just go by what we've seen so far, Jalen Carter. He was out of shape. Was he not out of shape for the combines? He couldn't get through drills. Jordan Davis, what's the biggest question mark on him? It's really not his skill set. It's his dedication to conditioning. Coincidence? So wait a minute. You had two defensive tackles that were drafted in the top 13 picks in two consecutive years. That the number one question mark on them is not ability or athleticism. It's whether they're in shape. That's an indictment on the program. That's an indictment on them. Now, Tonko's is it fixable? Yeah, run more. Dude, we're here, here. Guys, think about this for, for instance here. Wait a minute now. Getting in shape takes no athletic ability. It takes nothing. You don't have to be an athlete to get in shape. You just got to have determination and dedication to know the problem. Dude, we're not talking about a guy. I'll tell you this, and I'll make this point to you. If Jordan Davis was in better shape, he might be a better pass rusher. Because you know the number? Holy cow. Way to go, Baldy. Way to go, Baldy. Dude, Jordan Davis could become a better ball player. All he has to do is just get in better shape. Because the problem that he has with his second pass rush move is what? Dude, you got to be in great. That kid, Aiden Hutchinson, who plays in Detroit, is in phenomenal shape. He's in phenomenal shape. This guy's an effort guy. Watch J.J. Watt play. Dude, when you're a great sack guy, what's the number one thing you have? I'll tell you what. This is why I love what Nolan Smith is doing. Nolan Smith right now, he must be working out with Hassan Reddick, and it must be an eye-opening experience for him. That the amount of conditioning. And I'll give you another point that a guy told me who's a legendary running back. Eric Dickerson told me this. And Eric Dickerson, his first two years, had 4,000 rushing yards in the NFL with the Rams. They gave him the ball like 300 times his rookie year. Gave him the ball 300 times. He went like this by the end of the year. Holy shit, was I not in shape. And here's a guy that ran the ball at SMU like a maniac. He said, I had to do so much more conditioning. And then the next year, he went for 2105. Do you know Dickerson's first two years? He went 1880 or something, 1808. And then the next year, he went 2105. 
but he had 350 carries. Now, obviously, you don't do that today, but man, you got to be in conditioning to do that. Who has to be the person to tell these guys about their conditioning? Is it Rocker, Sirianni, or the vets? I think it's Tracy. Because what Tracy's got to tell them, the preparation at Georgia compared to here, – here's the problem that Jalen Carter – wow. This is incredible. And Brian Baldinger is the – he's the architect of this conversation here now going forward. This is almost like Chip Kelly stuff. Chip wanted to run what? 80 plays, right? Remember when Chip was the head coach of the Eagles? He wanted to run 80 plays, right? Well, you can't run 80 plays in the NFL. Why? Because of all the three and outs, you're going to wear your defense down. You don't have the depth you have like you have at Oregon where you have 100-some-odd kids on the bench, and you got all those first-rounders on your, on your team. You can, you can play 80 plays. You can have that fast-paced offense. It wasn't so much about wearing the offense out. It was wearing the defense out on three and outs. You get a bunch of three and outs, your defense is going to get annihilated. And that's what happened to Chip. Chip ran out of people. He ran out of people. Kirby Smart and Nick Saban aren't going to run out of people. They got 100 stars on their team. They're three deep everywhere. Again, this goes down to the coaching of Jalen Hurts. Hey, you know why Nick Saban doesn't have to sit there and coach Jalen Hurts like Sirianni and the Eagles do? Guess why? He's got 17 five-star quarterbacks on the Alabama program. He's not going to sit around and coach Jalen Hurts. He's going to go to tug of Viola or whomever, Mac Jones, whomever. He's not going to have to coach. See, you don't have to do a lot of coaching in the college ranks when you're a big-time program like that. You don't. Because you've got five-star guys everywhere. And when you have five-star guys, you're going to rotate these kids in and out. Alabama program doesn't prepare these guys for lengthy games because there's so many stars on their teams. Do you know how Alabama and Georgia – hey, think about it, Tone. You know how Alabama and Georgia beat you? They beat you with depth. They don't really – they beat you with depth and talent. But if you if everything is even, those guys are going to get worn out. Like a better program can beat that team. They can beat those teams. But they just wear them out. They beat them. They wear them out by rotating the players. We I never believed in rotating players. You had to earn that for me. You were going to take five plays away from me or ten plays away from me and Jerome. You're not going to be some guy who's some freshman guy, you got to play. That ain't going to cut it. And I had coaches that coached Super Bowl teams and Butch Davis and Dave Wanstad, North Turner, Dave Campo. These guys were all our coaches. I'm not coming out for shit like that. Well, we got a kid we draft. We got a kid we recruited from, from Apaka. I don't give a shit where he's from. I'm not coming out. Kid's a rookie, man. He's not taking my reps. Boom, we were ready to rock. Yes, Sills is off base here. I'm not off base, David. So wait a minute. So David says I'm off base here, and yet both of your tackles are out of conditioning. And conditioning is the biggest question mark. David, how's that off base? Jalen Carter couldn't get through drills at the combines. 
had a horrible pro day because he was out of shape. And Jordan Davis was out of shape last year. And this guy's telling me I'm out of bounds. Really? Probably coincidence, right? Probably coincidence. Chip Kelly at UCLA, we now have the best running game and a dominant time of possession. Yeah. That's right. They have a running game, but they don't run 700 plays anymore there. And you still can in the college game because you have 85 guys on scholarship. Okay? Oh, you're right. So you drafted the 13th player in the draft, and he's out of shape, and now you drafted the ninth player in the draft, and he's out of shape. And you don't think there's a tie-in to what Brian Baldinger said. Okay, I got to take a timeout. I want to expand on this because I never thought about that. And can it be fixed like Tone says? I'll tell you how to fix it immediately. We'll do it next. Hit the like button. Power hours coming up. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team when it comes to the fight against insurance companies large corporations and the healthcare industry injured victims are always the underdog but that doesn't worry us at messon associates we're an injury law firm from philadelphia and we come to fight our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder and it's the same chip that makes philly the toughest city in the country Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givnish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you... I know it's not easy, but they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givnish. Customizing services as unique as the individual. I, I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, was it was not in charge of anything at that point when, when my mom passed. And uh, uh, again, just another uh, shout out to this place for 
or making it easy. Turning tragedy into a celebration of life, no matter how hard, is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givenish. Life Celebrations by Givenish, customizing services as unique as the individual. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Eagles, National Football Show Power Hour number three here. Strength of schedule. Schedule's coming out next week, We or excuse me, tomorrow and Thursday. We're going to talk there. Also, um, the look at the 2004, 2024, excuse me, NFL draft. We're going to get that out there for you too as well. Man, what a bunch of really great takes here from, from Brian Baldinger here. And I want to hit on that, and I want to stay on that. And stay on that point here. Look, guys, Tone asked the most important question on this thing. Can this thing be fixed? Can it be fixed where Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis become more productive? Guys, you're not wrong on the talent level. You're not wrong on the talent level with Jordan Davis. He's just not in good shape. He's just not in good shape. But this has been something that's been ingrained in him since he was a bulldog. And Tone asked me, he goes, can it be fixed? Tracy Rocker's got to be the one that says, hey, you know, you had 18 guys behind you. You had Walker. You had all these other guys, Wyatt. You had all these great players that you were playing next to at Georgia, and you didn't have to go 30, 40, 50, 60 plays like you do in the NFL. You've got to be in better condition. And so Tracy, having been a pro himself, this is going to come from him. This is all going to be on preparation and getting these guys prepared to play in the NFL. Jordan Davis's biggest problem that he had last year was getting acclimated to the game and what's expected of him and how he prepares for the game. That's his biggest issue. It's not talent. This is a good thing. This is a good thing because eating and conditioning and nutrition, in my opinion, this is, this is fixable. If a guy doesn't have the talent and he can't pass rush or he can't do any of this other stuff, then we got a problem here. But that's not what the problem is. The Georgia program does not prepare guys for the National Football League. Wow. I never thought I would say that. That the NFL, when you look at Georgia Bulldog football, they don't prepare you for the league because they got so many guys. They just, they have too many guys. Okay, they do. Davis was so out of shape from his 200 snaps all season. Our run game went down the toilet. Arthur, he's out of shape. Stop making excuses for people who can't put down the White Castle burgers. He's out of shape. Jalen Carter's out of shape. What are, you, what are you talking about here? Stop making excuses for failure. Jesus, criminy, man. You're making an excuse for a guy's failure instead of addressing it and fixing it and, 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 and enabling it. 
Get his ass in shape. It, very fixable. You got to, hey, and, and, and Twiz, I'll tell you this. When you play a 12-game, 13-game college football schedule and you get into the National Football League and you're playing 16, 17, 18 games, you feel it. It is the rookie wall when you're around that 12th game. It is a rookie wall. It's a rookie wall, okay? Yeah, you're right. You're, you're, Arthur, you're right. He was in great, phenomenal shape, and so is Jalen Carter. They're in great shape. Okay, whatever, dude. He's over 300 pounds, losing 20 pounds with professional trainers. As a professional athlete, over six months is nothing. Yeah, but it's not just that, JM. It's weekend and week out, making sure you're staying... <laughs> He's never been on a routine to stay in shape. This has got to be a lifestyle now. This has got, hey, losing 20. JM goes, he lost 20 pounds in six weeks. So what? That's not a lifestyle. You've got to live that lifestyle. You've got to be prepared. I'm telling you guys, you don't know what you're talking about. When I got into my 12th game and I go into the 13th and 14th week of the season, I'm telling you, you feel it. Your arms, the practicing alone. Back then, it was more physical practices, even during game week. You're sitting there going, holy shit, man. There are times you can't even raise your arms. I had a knee, I had a knee scope. I had my elbow scope. I broke my hands. I broke my jaw. And you're sitting there telling me, hey, and, and it, it's a mentality that you have to push through. Carter and Davis better stay away from those Philly cheesesteaks. I'm sure the majority of rookies coming into camp out of shape. To I don't think, no, I don't think Aiden Hutchinson came into shape in Detroit out of shape. I think that guy's an effort player. I think that guy was prepared to play in the National Football League. When I watched him against the Eagles in week one, I saw an effort guy. I completely believe that he was ready, and I think he plays that way and practices that way. Jordan Davis is not an effort guy. And I think what Baldinger hit on is important. Okay, I think it's important. The Georgia football program is not preparing players for the National Football League, even though they're a great skill set and they're talented. Nolan Smith's a talented player. Kobe Dean's a talented player. Jordan Davis is a talented player. Jalen Carter, they go to Georgia. If you're being recruited by Georgia and given a Division I scholarship to play at the two-time national champion, you're a great player. You're not a stiff, okay? You're, 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 you're not at Temple. You're at Georgia. There's a complete difference, okay? The difference between Temple and Georgia is an anthill to Mount Everest when you're talking about programs. So no question these kids are gifted. However... The mentality that they have at Georgia, and if Baldy, you think about it, because I'm with them. I struggle. And how many times have I struggled telling you guys this? Man, when I look at those guys and I look at their production sheet, it's just not there. Like there's not a ton, like there's not a player at Georgia that has a ton of sacks. There's not a player that has a ton of interceptions at Georgia or a ton of tackles. They just don't do that. 
and they rifle so many guys in. There's no question you're not in shape. Because you don't, you're not asked to. You're not in game shape. How about this? When when you're when you're Jalen Carter and you only have to play 35 plays a game, instead of playing an NFL 65 plays a game, that's a huge difference. And the game itself is elevated because it's pro ball. Now, can it be fixed? Of course it can. This is going to come down to being prepared mentally and how you approach it. Remember, I told you this. When I got to Tampa Bay and I saw how these guys prepared to play and how they prepared to play a football game each and every single week, it was far from what we did. We ran more. We hit more. We were always in middle drill. We were always in nine on seven. We were always in inside drill. The Bucs didn't do any of that shit. We were in so much better shape than anything I had in Tampa Bay ever. Ever. Then when I got to the Cowboys and I saw how Ed Jones did it, Ed ran. Ed, Ed would run 10 miles a week to get his body in shape. He would go to the trainer. He would do all these things. And I'm watching this and I'm going, that guy knows how to prepare his body for an upcoming season. He's done it for 17 years in a row. Ed Jones did that for 17 seasons, getting his body in shape. Okay, Big Seals, you think? Name one bum recruited to the U when you were there. Answer, none. I know bums at UM when I was there. They were all, all Americans, and get this, they were all football players. We didn't recruit from rivals. We recruited football players. Every guy I played with was a good football player. He may not have gone on to the NFL, but he was a good football player. We didn't recruit rivals. We recruited really great ball players and turned them into ball players with great coaching. Seals Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Nicobe Dean, and Jordan Davis will prove you wrong. You're not Calvin. Prove me wrong how? More productive? I hope so. They've never been productive. Not any one of them. And personally, I like Jalen Carter. I compared him to Jerome and skill set. He Baldy just doesn't think he's in shape. I, I want to ask you guys this, though. How can you think it's a coincidence that two defensive tackles that you've drafted, the biggest question mark is their dedication to conditioning? And not think that's an issue. How, how, how can you, you – you, listen, do I think both guys are talented? I do. But how, how, that can't be a coincidence. They're not in good shape. That can't be a coincidence. Alabama used to run those RBs into the ground in the late. That wasn't an Alabama problem. It was teams who drafted them problem. That's why Fletcher's back for $10 million. Tony, exactly right. Fletcher knows how to prepare himself for the upcoming NFL season. These two young guys have to figure it out. And I think they will. Isn't on the players to be ready for the NFL it is on the players. Well, I think it, I think when you're at a particular program, you're praying that Georgia gets you ready for the next level. Is that why you go to Georgia? Don't you go to Georgia because you're hoping that gives you the opportunity to play at the next level? Shit, you could pick any college then. 
Georgia Georgia players. I mean, like I said, Roquan Smith, Chubb. He's been there seven years. High a personal chef. Okay, that's part of it. That's why LeBron has played so long. LeBron knows how to prepare himself for an upcoming. Dude, there's a skill set for that. This is your arg- argument. We're just listening, Sills. It's not my argument. It was Baldinger's assessment. Okay, Modest, let me ask you this. So you think it's a coincidence. See, Modest right here thinks it's a, a coincidence that your two guys you drafted are out of shape. And he thinks it's a coincidence. You drafted two players not in shape. It's a coincidence, right? Or do you think it's a program thing? Baldy thinks it's a program. I think it's a program thing. And I think it can be fixed. George George is going to rotate 15 guys in their D-line in front seven. They're going to rotate 15 guys. You don't have 15 guys to rotate. You barely have two linebackers. The NFL is not set up that way. I know people always go like this. Are you saying that Georgia has more talent than than, um, the Eagles? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they got more bodies. They got more bodies than what you have. And that's why Chip Kelly failed in the NFL. He didn't have the bodies. That's why he's a college coach. That's why actually Nick Saban's a college coach. Nick Saban's a college coach. Because of exactly what we're talking about, me and Baldinger here. Saban doesn't have the patience. He'd rather have five deep at quarterback and wide receiver. Again, his failure at coach. This is exact. Hey, Tone, think about this, man. Batman goes, come on, man. Wait a minute. Okay, so what, what would you think would be the excuse then, Batman, on why you two guys are have conditioning issues. Come on. Okay, I'm open. Tell me why your two guys that you drafted are out of shape. I'm open to hear. Tell me tell me why they're out of shape. I'm open. Of course they're not in shape. They just got out of college. Funny, I watched Aiden Hutchinson kick the shit out of people. He seemed to be in great shape. That's Sauce Gardner, man. He plays DB and was in great shape. And he goes to Cincinnati. Tell me. I'm open, Batman. Why do you think Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis were out of shape when they got to the Eagles? In consecutive drafts. I'm open to hear anything. It's a fixable deal, though. It's not an indictment. Hey, always remember what I'm saying here, though. This is not an indictment on their athleticism and their football ability. It's got nothing to do. Conditioning has nothing to do with your ability. But it has something to do with your availability in late parts of the game. Was Jerome in shape when he got drafted to the Eagles? 
Yeah. Because of what I told you, Arthur. Jerome was lazy, though. But Jerome was in shape. Why? Because he played 75, played next to me. He played 75 plays. Now, Jerome would take plays off, but he'd still be out there for 75 plays or 65 plays right next to me. He was in shape because we played in Florida and practiced in Florida. Yeah, and we didn't rotate. So he was in shape, yes. He was just lazy at times. There's a difference. But he had to beat that laziness out of him. Conditioning was not an issue for Jerome. Laziness was. Not getting bored in games was, was a big deal, okay? It, 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 it was more, see, Jerome would get lost in a game at times. He would do this. All of a sudden, you're like, you know, you, we're, 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 we're like this. We're in the huddle. And I'm like this. And excuse me, I Betty, but I'm like, hey, fucking snap out of it. What are you doing over there? And he sometimes would say the same shit to me. And then all of a sudden, he'd make these three flash plays. You wouldn't believe it. And he would kill the quarterback. And all of a sudden, the game was over. And you're like, that's the guy. That, I mean, he's, he just needed to be prodded a little bit. Jerome was so dominant, he got bored. Now that's greatness. That's what Tone said. That's exactly. He just would get bored. Killing the guy. The guy blocks him. I'm looking over at him. I'd go like this to him. Are you fucking kidding me? You're kidding me. The guy's listening to me, too. I'm like, this guy here stinks. Jerome would pick him up, throw him like he was a rag doll, get to the quarterback and smash him, and the game was over. He, he, he just had to be reminded at times who he was. And that's what Buddy beat into him. He, Jerome was a better player in Philly than he was spectacular at Miami. But he was a better player in Philly because you know why? He had Reggie and Buddy in his ass. Think about that. I had Buddy Ryan, arguably one of the greatest defensive coordinators in his ass, and you had the greatest defensive player next to LT. LT him, pick one. It's all good. I'll take the second guy. And they were teaching him how to be prepared and how to play every down. Um, Arthur, I don't give a shit what you say. You had two NFL guys tell you that program. You've drafted two out-of-shape guys. I've never seen a guy not get through his combine drills. You got one now. Have you ever seen a guy not get through combine drills? He couldn't even get through shuttle drills? I think that's a great observation by Baldinger. And I think Tracy Rocker will fix it. Dan settled the... C.D. Lamb versus A.J.B. Dude, A.J. Brown is superior to C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb would be the third wide out on the Eagles. C.D. Lamb is a good ball player. C.D. Lamb is not one of those guys like D.K. Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup. He's not one of them guys. He's not. He got better in the second half of the season last year. He got better. He's he, plus they need another guy on the other side of him to help him out more. CB Lamb's not elite. Okay, that's that's not happening. Look at Carter; he dominated everyone in college. Yeah, for twenty plays. That's William. Nobody's ripping his ability. 
Are you not listening? Nobody's saying he sucks. Where did you hear that? Where, where, where did you hear that? I never said that. Rocker didn't fix Davis last season. How's he going to do it with someone with more issues than Carter? Jordan Davis wasn't asked to start last year. You had Javon Hardgrave. You had $30 million in two tackles. $14 million in Fletcher. $13 million in Hardgrave. If you pay him, you play him. He was never going to start. So they felt they were going to gradually put him in the rotation. He was never going to be a starter in Philadelphia last year, Jordan Davis. Now he has to be. Now he has a different role here. You were never going to have Jordan Davis start last year. Okay? You were never going to have it. You had $30 million wrapped up in two guys in the defensive tackle position. So some of them just don't get it. It's a, it's a shame because it's a legitimate conversation here. Well, because they want to make excuses, and most people don't like make excuses for failure. That's why they do it, Tone. Most people in life, I would say 75% of people in life, like making excuses why their life sucks or why things are not the way they want to see it and they want to hear what they see. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's common. I get it. That's why there's more people in the stands than on the field. It's because they make excuses for failure. Davis is the guy. He has to show up. I think it's now now that I just think it's getting in shape. Hey, wouldn't you rather have me say this? Hey, Davis just has to get in better shape and he'll be a better player this year than saying this. I don't think he'll ever be who he needs to be. I'm more, hey, are you ready for this tone? I'm more optimistic now about Jordan Davis, the second year in the NFL than I was 45 minutes ago, I'm more optimistic that he could be a better player. And yet you looking at this like this is a shit segment and I'm shitting on him. That's not true. I actually think it's an epiphany. You look at it as a negative. You only learn from failure and things you're doing wrong, not from being a front runner. This to me is a good thing. Because now I, I know he has a higher ceiling. Maybe he can be Fletcher Cox. And one more time, I think that's another reason they paid that dude $10 million and brought his ass back. I, I mean, I am more optimistic now about Jordan Davis and his ability in his second year to be a better ball player after having a conversation with Baldinger and what they don't do at Georgia, which is condition these guys enough. And I don't mean running laps around a track. I mean game reps. You don't play enough game reps to be in game shape. Jesus Christ. Hey, how do you not make sense of that? How are you not? If you don't have game reps, how are you in game shape? Those guys aren't in game shape. It's probably why he got hurt too. Seals, I agree with you on what you're saying. I'll wait to judge them until I see 
if the trainers get them in shape before the season, Davis has lost 20 pounds and is looking better. Glenn, I'm more optimistic now that Jordan Davis has been told by, because again, remember last year, he was in a supporting role. He didn't have to play 50 plays. Now he has to. Now he's got to play 65% of the reps. That's a different conditioning set. Now, I think you should always be in shape. You're a pro You're a pro ball player. But why should he think that when he wasn't practicing that at Georgia? They're actually reconditioning Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter's mindset right now. I think that's why when I was talking about Sirianni yesterday and what's expected of them, and those guys were talking to all the rookies, I think this is part of it. Got to be in shape, guys. And that means all of you. You got to be prepared to play in an NFL season. And that means, see, this ain't up. Hey, and you know what some of you guys are doing? Dude, I don't want to hear anybody ever tell me the trainers have to get you in shape. Screw that. This is player accountability shit. This is not up to the Eagles to get you in shape. This is up to you to get in shape. This is up to you on how great you want to be. A trainer can't trainer can't do any of this for you. Because the lights aren't on, nobody's watching, and you got to be sometimes by yourself running in the rain, in the dark, in the morning, at midnight, running on the road, running when no one cares, running when no one's watching. This is about you. This is about dedication. Now, again, it's not an indictment on their character. They didn't do this in Georgia. I don't think it's a coincidence that two guys were out of shape when they got to Philly. I think that's more of a comment on the Georgia Bulldog program. By the way, I'm going to tweet that out at Dan Celio show. Georgia does to keep these guys in good game shape, especially their big fellas. It just can't be a coincidence that the 13th and ninth player taken in the NFL draft, the number one issue is dedication to conditioning. I mean, look, you could say this about Jalen Carter, his decision-making. Sure. Had nothing to do with his ability though. And, and, and one more time for the record, Nobody's saying that these guys aren't good ballplayers or not athletic or not talented. I mean, I'm actually more optimistic. I'm, op- I'm actually more optimistic. I thought that was who the kid was going to be. Shit happens. It's up to the players to be in shape. It's not college. It's the NFL stands f- not for long. If JD doesn't show up, won't be good for him. That's correct. Agreed. How he double dipped on another George. No, it's not a bust. They're not bust. Okay. Sales Cowboy fan told me Jalen Hurts needed to throw the ball better in the Super Bowl. I thought Jalen Hurts was sensational in the Super Bowl. This is what I would say. In Philadelphia, someone needs to tell the Cowboy fan that Dak Prescott needs to throw less picks and win some significant games 
And before they start talking about doing anything significant, try getting to an NFC title game. That might help. Sales, who's starting at right guard? I think Jurgens gets it, Breed. I think he gets it, okay? Carter and Davis are getting paid $4 million a year, serious money. Well, I also say this to you. Sometimes that money clouds the whole view of everything too, Yale, because the money's great and all, but, dude, you got to go to work. You want that money to keep continuing to come in and direct deposit every Tuesday? You can't be looking at that going like this. Hey, I was the 13th and 9th player taken and think that money stays there forever. It doesn't. Your whole world comes crashing in when you get blown out. Trust me. It ain't funny, man. You got all the money in the world. Shit, man, my whole life came crashing down inside of 18 months. All the shit that I had done for years. Stupid shit. 18 months. Okay, 18 months. You're right. NFL stands for not for long, dog. Okay. Trey Lance could cause, hey, Seals is right. Cowboy fan. Dude, Cowboy fan has been delusional for 28 years. 28 years he's been delusional. Okay, 28 years. I find that one more time. I am so optimistic, so optimistic and more optimistic about Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis now. Get in shape, guys. Get in shape. They get in shape. I think the ceiling is a glass ceiling, and I I, I don't think there's any limit to what these guys can do. Just get in shape. The Georgia program's the problem. And again, not a talent problem. They just got so many guys there. All right, I want to take a timeout. I want to hit on strength of schedule when we come back. I want to do that. I think you're going to be stunned here when I throw this out to you here. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
Corin Save in Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Tonight, <laughs> 40-point James Harden or 18-6 and six James Harden. The enigmas of the playoffs in the NBA. Anthony Davis and James Harden. Those two dudes, man. You, you, you just don't know what you're going to get out of that cookie jar. Every night, you just don't know what you're going to get, right? We shall see what happens tonight. Hey, man, I think that was a really great conversation. I think Baldy hit on a lot of good things there. And I think it's really going to be something that the Eagles are going to have to address with these guys. And maybe, too. Kirby Smart, man. I mean, how do you complain to a dude that's won two straight national titles? You know, it's not Kirby Smart's responsibility to prepare you for the NFL. It's not. It's not his responsibility. That's not his job. He makes $11 million a year doing things his way, and it's resulted. Remember this. Kirby Smart and Nick Saban make 11 to $12 million a year. They make more than 75% of the NFL coaches. Do you know that Kirby Smart and Nick Saban make more money than Nick Sirianni, Sean McDermott? Um, the coach in Tampa, the coach in New Orleans, coach with the Jets. I mean, these guys make a ton of money. Why in the world would I sit here and prepare you for the NFL when I – that's not my responsibility, nor do I care. I'm making a ton of money coaching the Georgia Bulldog program to great heights, and so is Nick Saban at Alabama. Whether you're in shape or not, because I rotate and I have 700 guys that are first-rounders, 
Why do I care about that? That's your responsibility. That's the player's responsibility. It is. It is like Lincoln Riley too, man. Lincoln Riley makes $12 million a year. USC bought him a $6 million house. You think he gives a shit whether or not Caleb Williams is prepared for the NFL or not? Why would he give a shit? Why would he care? Now, I think players pick programs that help them be prepared for the upcoming NFL draft and such. I, I do. But it's also a testament here to some of these coaches. Okay? All right. I want to hit on this. Here are the 10 toughest schedules. And they haven't been put in place yet because obviously we kind of know who each team is going to play. But here are the 10 teams that have the 10 toughest schedules in the upcoming 2023 NFL year. Raiders are at 10. Um, Garoppolo, I don't see it. I don't see it with Mark Davis. I think the Raiders have a pretty decent roster, but I think the Raiders are going to finish in last place in the AFC West. Rams, NFC West, ninth toughest schedule. Stafford's back, Cup, Donald. When I look at the Rams, I just don't see a shitload of talent there. I mean, I probably by default, the Rams are going to win games because of the shitty NFC. But you got the ninth toughest schedule in the NFL. Man, I just don't see the Rams, though, as a contender. The Washington Commanders are eight. Need a quarterback. Jacoby Brissett's efficient. Sam Howe, they got a lot of good pieces, especially on defense. They got a good running back in Antonio Gibson. They got a good pair of wide receivers. Their line is getting better. OD is good. I think Chase Young's going to be a man possessed because they didn't pick up the fifth-year option. Seals, you think the Seahawks can take the NFC West? No. I still think it's Niners, but it'll be between Niners and Seahawks. The Bills have the seventh toughest schedule, and they play in the AFC East. AFC East is – boy, it's funny – NFC East and AFC East have both improved over the last three years. Um, they're gonna they're gonna have to run the ball, dude. If 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 they're gonna win the Super Bowl, isn't this funny? If they're gonna win the Super Bowl, the Bills they got to be a better running back team, not a better quarterback running team, but a better running back team, and get more guys involved in the run game instead of your quarterback getting killed. And he's got to be smarter in the second half. He got to stop that Wentz ball. I'm going to start calling instead of hero ball. I'm going to call it Wentz ball. They got to play better. Oh, maybe wait, smarter. They got to play smarter. The Jets have the sixth toughest schedule. They're going to need Aaron Rodgers. I think the I think the Jets have the. Do they have the best roster in the AFC East? 
Maybe. 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 D-line's good. Backfield's good. Defensively. Linebacking core's good. O-line needs some more work. Running game. Wideouts are good. Quarterback is great. They could have the best roster in the AFC East. You heard Baldy too. Thinks the Jets are going to be a playoff team. Two teams tied with the fourth toughest schedule in the NFL for this upcoming season. Cowboys and Giants. Obviously, last year's schedule, that weak-ass schedule that the Eagles played and everyone else in the NFC East, that thing has flipped like we said it would. Remember a year ago what I said? You guys feasted on all them bums? Not this year. Okay, Cowboys and Giants are tied for the fourth toughest. Okay, so you're going to see a lot of teams walk back on records they had a year ago because you're playing good opponents week in and week out, and you're playing good quarterbacks and good coaches. Not one team will have the same record in the NFC East that you had a year ago. Nobody, including Philly. And quite frankly, I think it'll make you better for the playoffs. I think it'll make you more prepared for the playoffs. Really, having the best record in the NFL doesn't matter. Having home field advantage and getting to the Super Bowl, that's all that matters. Okay? If you get to the NFC title game with a 10-7 and record, who gives a shit? Patriots have the third toughest. I think the Patriots are going to have a losing season. And I think this is going to be the worst year of Bill Belichick's coaching career. Bill Belichick and Bob Kraft are going to have, I'll make it a prediction here. I think Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft are going to have a come to Jesus conversation at the end of this year. And it's important for Bill to chase down Don Shula's all-time winning record. I think it's an important deal for him. But at what expense? Winning so that Bill can have this? And does Robert Kraft feel obligated to get that for Bill? The winningest regular season coach. He's already the winningest postseason coach, obviously. But is that worth it for an organization that get this? When's the last? Hey, how about this? Yale thinks it is. How about this? When's the last time you heard the Patriots talk good about Mac Jones? I mean, have they ever in the last two years talked good about Mac Jones, the guy they drafted in the first round? There's reports they tried shipping him. There's reports that they don't like him. There's reports that they like this Bailey Zappi guy. Name me, name me a time when they're talking good about their guy they drafted. Well, two years ago in the first round. I mean, Matt Jones, they don't say anything good about him. There is no doubt. they. I, I, I don't think they like him. Number two, the tough, second toughest schedule in the National Football League belongs to the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins have a good roster. They're gonna be, that will be a tough year for the Dolphins, man. Okay. Tough year for the Miami Dolphins. And then the team with the number one toughest schedule in the NFL will be the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Eagles have the toughest schedule. You better pray Hurts don't get hurt. I started to show up and I asked you a question about Nick Foles. So let me ask you this. How many wins do the Eagles have with the toughest schedule in the National Football League if Hurts has to miss three games, two games, like he has the last two years? What do you think the record is? Toughest schedule in the league. What do you think the Eagle record is if he misses three ball games? Eagles will not win 14 games. Not happening. 10 and 7. So you think Marcus Mariota could carry the Eagles to a 10 and 7 record? Oh, no. I said three games. Okay. I said, right, right, right. I quantified it that way. If he misses only three games, 13 and 4. 12 and 5 13 and 11 and 6 I'm penciling those three games as all losses just like last year's losses if he misses time If Hurts misses three games the team Toughest schedule in the end. So you think with that shitty schedule that you had last year that you won 14 games, you're going to win as many games this year with a brand-new defense and question marks all over that defense when it comes to skill. I'll take that back. Not skill, but experience. You think you're going to win 14 games like you did a year ago with a harder schedule, better quarterbacks, and better coaches. Really? Wow. Talk about naive. Talk about naive. Mariota's better than Minshew? Where'd you get that from? Where where did you get that from? Where where in the world would you say that Mariota's better than Minshew? Why? Because he won the Heisman? <laughs> Minshew wasn't that bad as a starter in Jacksonville. I don't ever remember Marcus Mariota being good. Couple spot games in Las Vegas and a few spot games in Atlanta. I actually saw Minshew throw for 20-some-odd touchdowns, I think, one year when he was down in Jacksonville. Where did you get that? That Mariota's better. Mariota's been a failure. Now he's in a different role. Let's keep it real here, man. Marcus Mariota is not a better quarterback. He hasn't proven shit yet. He's lost his job in three places. You make it sound like this guy Mariota is like a backup wonder here. He's lost his job in three places. Keep it real. Peanut goes, he's quieter. (laughs) Okay, great. He doesn't say a lot. Funny thing is, I was trying to be modest and realistic with the 10 and 7 prediction. Eagles are not winning 14 games if Jalen misses three games. But, but Tone, I don't think if he plays all 17, they're winning 14 games. Okay. I, I just don't. Now, I think they could win 12 to 13, somewhere in there, and win the NFC doing that. Let me just say this to you, Tone. This is what people don't get. Last year's team, you win 14 games against that shitty schedule. 
If you win 12 games this year with that schedule, you're a better team this year. Having the most wins doesn't make you the better team. Who you play matters. You can actually be 12 and 5 this year, maybe even 11 and 6, and be a better team. You beat Kansas City and New York with those quarterbacks and Buffalo. You're telling me you're okay with being 14 and whatever, beating Cooper Rush, David Mills, or Davis Mills, whatever his name is, Ryan Tannehill. How do you plug that in? If you win 12 games this year with the number one schedule, the toughest schedule in the league, you'll be a better team than a year ago. Because you've beaten more quality guys. And then get this. More people are going to have even more respect for you this year if you go 12-5 and five, than they did from a year ago when you played nobodies. I would take 12-5 and five this year over 14-3 and three record. from two. Of course you would because you're playing better people. You're playing better people. You beat the Niners or the Cowboys in the NFC title game. Cowboys get the fourth toughest schedule. We're going to find out how good Dak is too. You are what your record is? I don't believe that. I think your record is on who you play. I think, so you're telling me if you line up 14 tomato cans, Yale, and I line up 14 studs, Muhammad Ali's, you're a better fighter than me? If I go if I go five and five versus Ali and you go 10 and 0 versus some stiff, you think you're a better fighter than me? I don't. I fought the champ. You fought no one. Not how I look at it. See, that 14 win schedule, you go 12 and 5 this year, you're you would be a better team than last year. You'd be a better team. Because you beat tougher opponents. I think we're working on Chris Sims tomorrow. Ice Cube's Thursday. So appreciate it. Guys, awesome stuff as always. Please go back and watch the Baldinger interview. It was really interesting stuff that he said. And we appreciate Brian finding time. He was down with the Buccaneers uh, covering their rookie camp. So we appreciate him stepping in with us. Please hit the like button. Xander, Big Joe, thank you. Tone, absolutely always brilliant work. We thank you guys so much. Till tomorrow, 3 to 6, we shall see you on the flip side. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.